the spike protein is a toxin. So it, it's not, doesn't matter whether it's J&J, AstraZeneca, Moderna, uh, Pfizer, they all make your body make a spike protein. That spike protein binds to a tumor suppressor gene family, P53. It also binds to the breast cancer gene, BRCA, and the ovarian cancer gene, BRCA. We know that that spike protein can induce cancer pathways, period. It's happening. Cancers are on the increase across the board, lymphomas, leukemias, blood cancers, because that spike goes to the bone marrow. The lipid nanoparticle carries the mRNA to your dividing stem cells because it doesn't stay in the arm. It can go into any cell in your body and it turns that cell into a spike factory. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Hey, September 13th, 2022. Thank you for being here today. Man, I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a lifetime. It's been the Daily Wrap-Up has been put to the side for a lot of other things you've been doing over the, just the last couple of days, but a lot happens over those days, doesn't it? Things change so quickly these days, and I think that's by design. But today we're going to talk about something that I'm sure everybody's been discussing and looking at that we're going to go through with a fine tooth comb. We're going to go through the whole damn thing, not read the whole thing, but I read through these things and like many of us do. So you guys don't have to, but you still should. That's that's I believe that very, very strongly. Everybody should read all of these things we talk about studies or executive orders. So you understand them because maybe you'll see something that I don't or maybe you'll understand something that I don't. But the point is that we're going to go through Biden's executive order. Uh, and this was entitled advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. There is so much planted in this. I mean, even just the terms in that title, I recommend you take a moment to look into to understand what biomanufacturing means. And it doesn't have to be nefarious, but in the context of what they've already said they're doing, what the con in the context of what they're already doing with these injections, the idea of the genetic future, the bioengineering, the, the genomics and everything they're talking about, it's an alarming thing to discuss, especially when we talk about what they use for that, the biological systems and what that includes. We'll go through all of this. Now, that's just one part of this whole big executive order, but it really does feel as I was talking about on AM Wake Up today. We didn't get a chance to actually go through this document. That was kind of the plan, but we had a really great conversation this morning. The idea that this feels like out the outlining of like the American farm that you as the American people are going to be farmed for your genetic material and, 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 but for the benefit of everybody, of course, right? That's the, Oh, always overarching point. It's all for everyone's best interest. There's a time when that, I mean, even like the 23 and me and the whole, uh, well, I forget the other name of the other company, but those groups that were going, Hey, give us your DNA, give us your information and we'll let you know your family tree. A lot of that even turned out not even to be accurate, but that's another story. At the end of the day, it was used against their wishes and it turned out that it was ultimately used in a, I mean, we, we, we've discussed this many times. This was dishonest and it was used for the kind of stuff we're talking about today by people that you wouldn't expect. 
And all of that is the same point. It's the same idea. And we also asked what was happening with the DNA. And, and this was even proven in many cases that it was used. The, the genetic material, the DNA that was got from, received from the uh, testing. The blood-brain barrier swabs that no one explained why that was ever necessary. There's a lot of these weird things that were going on. So we're going to go through all this and show you why this is really important. This is the beginning, not only just of the discussion of the new genetic future, the mRNA platforms plug-and-play world that they're discussing, but also the idea of the infrastructure. What all of this is designing, is it, it includes the food problems, the energy problems. They're outlining the funding and, and redesigning of the direction. This is one of many tools. We keep pointing out the beginnings of the Great Reset or the reimagining, redesigning. This is one of them. This is outlining the future for that and how all of this infrastructure is going to be redesigned under the guise of advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. Now, that's one part that does get discussed in there, but this is pretty much, in my opinion, outlining the change of everything. Now, we'll go through it. You guys can decide for yourself. But we're also going to talk about a couple of small points, one very small point about Ukraine and Russia and how that ties right into what we're talking about today. But we're going to start off with the discussion of the COVID-19 aspect of it and the mRNA platform, or specifically the injection, the mRNA injections and where that leads. And hopefully do that pretty quickly because I want to focus just on this executive order. And I'll show it to you right now, actually, just to begin with, so you guys can see what we're talking about. Uh, but uh, to start before I even do that, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Robert's article today that I thought was really well done. And it does take courage to stand up at a time just like this and say something about, this is in regard to the Queen fellows in the podcast, Queen Elizabeth II's death coverage exposes media hypocrisy. And the title barely even touches on what he really gets into. The hypocrisy, yes, but the absurd nature of how these people what, regardless of your opinion of them, who have verifiably been involved in some pretty shady things, like, you know, when, when McCain passing, oh, he's a golden hero of the ages, and, and nobody really believes that's true. These people are whitewashed into being heroes of our time, and it's not true. And, and he really outlines exactly that point about the Queen specifically and things that they either were involved in or tacitly allowed while doing nothing, despite now being framed as this, you know, doing everything they can to save the average person like they need your saving. But it's important to understand how this point exposes the hypocrisy of not just the media, but the entire premise on which they operate, that we are the omnipotent or rather benevolent overseers of your lives. And we care about you and we do everything we can for you. And we fail sometimes. I mean, that's just, it's just insultingly false today. And I think we should all see that. So please check this out. It's an important article to read. Robert and Lakesh has continued to do some outstanding work. And yes, I do plan on having him back on the show. We both have talked about it many times, but we're both so busy with so many important things. I mean, he's just doing some excellent work over there, but that we want to get him back on to talk about like a broad overview of like every angle of foreign policy right now. Cause as you guys know, there's a lot of different angles to talk about. But on that note, we'll go forward. I want to just make sure you guys saw that article. And also, by the way, it looks like just in Twitter shareholders approve Elon Musk's takeover of the deal. Everything just changed, didn't it? The world just changed. Every Twitter's different today, isn't it? Is that what we're already probably kind of seeing? It's like last time, even though it was clearly not true. This doesn't even mean it's going to happen, by the way. It seems to have been approved and it has to go forward now. But who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? But I find it kind of funny that this is just an interesting thing to happen now, today of all days. And the idea that this is like, you know, I don't know whether partisan people will feel this is one thing or the other. I just find it kind of interesting. My comment was, hooray, Neuralink brain chips for everyone. You get a chip and you get a chip and you get a chip, you know, parodying Oprah. That's what it feels like to me. Hashtag great reset two party illusion. 
just wanted to put that out there as an opening note so we can see that that happened apparently. I don't know. It's an interesting back and forth. Now, this is what we're going get to get into today. I'm going to read through this, and I have many parts highlighted that I wanted you to see, but we weren't, we're going to go, from, before we get to it, go over some things I think it's important to discuss before we get into this. And really, to be quite honest, the work that we've done around this topic since the beginning of COVID, the work that Whitney's done since the beginning of COVID, the work that Derek has done on these things since the beginning of COVID, we've all touched on these in different ways. All of that's important to really digest before we even break all this down, but that's not too much to do right now before the beginning of this. But that's what we're going to come back to. September 12th, this came out yesterday. And by another executive order, that's just, we live in the world of emergency governance and executive action. This is no longer the, I mean, even the claim of democracy, that's, of course, ignoring the conversation of whether that's even what we should actually want, mob rule as opposed to a constitutional republic that we were sold on, or rather told that we have until they transitioned in the word democracy, which neither are really truly what we live in today. That the idea that we do live in this state now where they just, that's not even, that's not even the, the claim they say. We don't actually even have even the fake democracy that the executive ruling by executive order is fiat rule. That is the, that is from the top down one person making a decision. And that's not what we should pretend that we have if this is what they're doing. But this is just the same thing. This is where it's all going, right? Because Biden's the good guy fighting for you, right? We should just choose to listen to it. That's what they want you to think. Same with the um, the benevolent future government that they're building right now for the world. They all decide for you. You own nothing and you have. That's not what we should. That's what I don't think that's what anybody wants anywhere. Just my opinion. But in any case, let's go forward. Uh, before we start talking about this, I thought it was very interesting just now before I went live. Apparently, the U.S. Capitol Visitor Center is being evacuated. You hear the alarm going off. Not that that means anything. Who knows? It could just be some kind of false alarm. But it's odd to me that it's happening today. There's a lot of important things that are coming out that are very deeply tied to some long-term agendas. This thing kind of tends to happen when those happen, or it's just a random thing that happened at the same time. Who ultimately knows? Also, before we talk about COVID, which will then transition into all this, I want us to ask ourselves, and this was the point about the, the, the controlled demolition. Now, we've talked about this a lot, about what's been happening since. I mean, nobody, nobody needs truly to be pointed out to, for the nobody needs it to be pointed out for them that things that we were saying in the beginning have 100 percent come to pass. I mean, we don't need to keep pointing that out, even though it's important sometimes to make that clear for those that may have not seen that from before. But you guys know that. I mean, just endlessly. And it's not even just me, just the conspiracy theorists have very clearly continued to be called out as conspiracy theorists and have been shown to be right in pretty much every major aspect of the COVID-19 discussion. Let's all accept how real and obvious that is. But we were censored for things over and over and over right up until now. Even I mean, even right now, still, that's the interesting part to me. There are things talked about in this tweet, in this video that I'm being censored for right this moment. And it's not because, you know, some people may argue, and you know what, maybe you're right, you should look into it for yourself, is what I would argue. They would argue that I'm being a conspiracy theorist and I'm speaking broadly and I'm not doing my research or whatever. And these are the experts and that's why they know. Well, you could think that, but you know what you should do to make sure that's actually what's happening is look at the work that we're doing and ask yourself whether or not we're being broad and conspiratorial or we're doing, in my opinion, better work than what I'm going to show you right now not even really show you and that's not meant to diminish dr kelly here i believe it's her name or the person on the other get of the show i'm talking about the people like drew and his podcast not even really to diminish them but just to show you these are mainstream entities that are right now openly discussing things that were censored for yesterday and yet having advertising and on youtube and everything else 
Now, I'm not saying I can prove to you that that's because they're being allowed to talk about it, but we should ask that question. Because it's certainly possible that I'm doing something that makes me the one that should be censored. You guys should come to your own conclusions. But why are they, Why, in my opinion, it's being allowed. So why is that happening now? I believe it's because of this whole, it doesn't, the correlation of the introduction of all of this, the redesign, the reimagining stage is literally happening right now. So maybe they want you to start poo-pooing this on the other side of it and go, yeah, wasn't that Trump's vaccine? Wasn't that the problem? Well, guess what? We're going to change everything with this new direction and we're going to make them better. We're going to make the new Omicron variant. We're going to do more investigation. We're going to do the bioeconomy. That's what this feels like to me. The deconstruction and the, and the, the planned solution to the problem that they just pointed at, as always. That's where we need to see this. Now, this is Dr. Kelly, Dr. Peter McCullough pointing out Dr. Uh, Kelly Victory, who, who I've seen, she's doing good work. That again, just to be clear, I mean, no way diminishing what she's saying on this show. She's being allowed to say it on Dr. Drew's podcast. That's my point. With Dr. Alexander, that vaccine increases rather than decreases the risk of catching the illness. I mean, this is like day 15 kind of revelation from the whole COVID illusion, right? This is the kind of thing we're talking about. As they look at that, this is termed in quote, negative efficacy. Now, Dr. McCullough knows this. He's talked about this for a long time. We've seen the data from Pfizer and elsewhere showing you their own data revealed very clearly a negative 75% efficacy after three months with Omicron and Pfizer. That was a long time ago. We even knew that before that based on numerous other factors. And that got proven with their own data. So now, two and a half years later, Drew is breaking the story on his podcast about something that we've all been talking about and being censored for. How do you not see how ridiculous that is? My point is, I think we do. I think we all do. So why is that happening? Here's the other point. This one is something that has been allowed to be out there. I mean, here's an interesting point. Even Steve Kirsch was censored for talking about this. And here on Redacted, on YouTube, Blue, I guess, gray checked and everything, whatever the, the blue check equivalent of sons of YouTube, Israel caught hiding bombshell Pfizer vaccine data. I mean, it says Israel vaccine cover up. Do you realize that I put out a video literally talking about the vaccine cover up and that video was removed? And all we did was literally go through the provable evidence and what that discussed. There you go. I don't need to keep selling this point. I really want us to ask the idea or ask the question, why is it being allowed to be released now? Now, we all have our opinions. I truly believe it's because of what is being rolled out. And they're trying to control demolition like 9-11 style right over here. This problem to lead us into the solution that's being presented in front of us because we don't want to let Trump's vaccine happen again. Right. And people will fall for that. I don't believe most will, but they just need a few. So that being said. Let's get into the part, at least in part, what we're talking about here. It's very interesting to see, even with the Omicron bivalent injection. Here's Financial Times. U.S. criticized for rolling out COVID boosters, which they're not, by the way. I mean, they were even forced to just admit, as uh, as Jean-Pierre was forced to say, oh, and very clearly struggling to try to play the equivocation mental gymnastics game, where they admit, yeah, they're not actually boosters, they're vaccines, because there's something different. And when they're forced to ask, she just goes, I'm not going to get into a debate about the terminology. Well, that's because you guys are caught trying to pretend it was a booster, and the people who are the real experts were like, guys, it's, an, it's not a booster. And so they were forced to roll it back, and they don't want to acknowledge that. And say, well, we said it wrong, and now we're saying the right thing they were told we were told to say. That would be an honest answer. But they wanted you to think it's just another booster. So the person out there that's not paying attention that thinks these are just another flu shot, another booster, they'll go right in to go with the next one. Well, the first one's fine, right? If they were the lucky ones that didn't have any problems thus far, 
which I mean thus far, because I almost I, I feel pretty strongly that these things will have lasting effects for most anybody taking them based on the real world and peer reviewed science, real world data and peer reviewed science. But in any case, they're rolling, they're criticizing the U.S. for rolling them out without trials, human trials. And that's the crazy part, because, yeah, guess what, guys? Even two people in the FDA were like, this is dangerous. We shouldn't do this. Paraphrasing, essentially. Dr. Uh, Paul Offit, I believe, was one of the primary ones speaking out, going, I don't know why we're doing this. This seems like a bad direction. Again, kind of paraphrasing the, the sentiment. I believe I'll have it highlighted next. But one thing you'll note in this next article that I quickly go over is that there's one big glaring missing question word from the entire thing, even in an article going, hey, they're criticized for rolling these out without human trials. Now, what's the obvious conclusion there? Why would they be criticized for doing that? Well, because it could be unsafe. I mean, that is the obvious unspoken point. If we do it without human trials, we're not all scared to death that it won't be effective. <laughs> it's about being worried that it's not going to that it will hurt people like a lot of things in the past have. Not a single mention of even the word safe. Or uh, let me see, actually. Yeah, not even safe. I was gonna say maybe this is safe and effective in other contexts. But no, not even the word safe, not safety, not whether. I mean, the entire discussion is about the fact that this is being done without trials and they don't even point at the word safe or the idea of safety. The whole thing is like, we're so scared it won't work properly. It won't hurt. It, w- it won't be effective as the last time. And we're upset about that. That's not what anybody truly cares about when it comes down to not having the trials. We all know that. So what it says is health experts have warned that U.S. decision to roll out new boosters. They're still pushing that. Trust me, I'll get to this in a second where she has to admit that that's that's manipulative. But see, press is usually a little bit behind and catching up to the new narrative that they're supposed to be spinning. Without clinical testing on humans, risks denting public trust and increasing hesitancy about vaccines. And of course, that we don't know they're safe. Yeah, nope, that's not included. No, just that we're worried that it might dent the trust that doesn't exist in the public, uh, in, in the health institutions and hesitancy about vaccines. All they care about is maybe they won't take the next dangerous thing we give them. Of course, that's, you know, my, my perception on it, but really I think about how wild that is. Obviously at least one of the three things or many things they should point out, but nope, you, that there's a red flag glaring omission. That is the deafening silence of an absent point. But several health experts said that the boosters, again, have yielded only limited data from a small number of tests on mice. And guys, that's only about efficacy. Zero safety data except gleaning from other previous things that are not related to this new thing. That's that's why it's important to understand that it's not a booster. It's a new thing. So you can't just go, the other thing that's totally different, that was safe, even though that wasn't, by the way, which is what they want you to think. You can't do that. This is off the rails. But only the limited data, even for efficacy. They said there is no evidence that they provide better protection against infection. Or that they might kill you. Or that they might cause blood clots or heart attacks or myocarditis. Way worse than the previous ones are clearly doing. No, doesn't matter about that point. And you see it mentions right here, Eric Topal, founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute, was the one calling this out. Think this without the data and getting human response and at least a limited number of people, you just set up for anti-vaxxers and anti-science people. And of course, they leave out other parts, which we've already read him saying. This is also very telling and selective manipulation from the Financial Times. Eric Topal has on the record said that this is not smart. And here they all just say, well, he's just setting it up for the anti-vaxxers. Why is he setting it? Why would they say that? Well, because what they're doing is wrong, is unscientific, is dangerous. 
That's why. So it's not that he's just doing something that's totally safe and the right move and the anti-vaxxers don't understand it. It's because it's a dangerous thing. And he's the one expressing that he hasn't agreed. That's why he voted no. So is it setting it up for the anti-vaxxers? Or do we have a right to be concerned like that expert is? You see what I mean? Like that's just crazy slanted in the direction of what they want you to think. That's not journalism. That's propaganda. Down here it says, but to Paul and Offit, that was the other one, Paul Offit, argued the U.S. should have waited for evidence. Yeah, you don't say. Maybe we should wait for evidence that they work or are safe, but no, let's rush it out because of something that's killing everybody? No, not that either. So what's the logic here? Rush it out to get ahead of the thing that no one's really concerned about right now? The thing that they admitted in Quebec is less than the flu for children? We'll get to that too. We've already showed you that before, but it was important to reiterate. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Quote, I don't think that they have proven that this influenza vaccine strategy where we pick influenza strains every March for a vaccine that comes out in September makes sense for COVID. I don't think they've proven that strategy. Now, you could read that as the influenza strategy, which is kind of how I thought that feels like he's suggesting even that, which, by the way, is shown not to be efficacious. It's 10, 15, 20 percent effective, if that. And that's what we're told, by the way, which probably means it's way lower than that. On top of the fact that there's plenty of negative and dangerous things that are happening because of flu vaccines. But finally, we're asking the question whether things they're calling something else could be because of that, like SIDS or SADS or God knows what else, seeing as how they've been exposed for being very dishonest about how they do that. Simply, that's a nice way to call it, say it, but it could be as criminal as actively covering up what's really going on. Any case, this expert says it just doesn't make sense for COVID, but we're going to do it anyway, though, is the point. As if I'm speaking for them, that's what's happening. He's going, yeah, this doesn't even make sense, but we're going to do it, though, because that's what they want. So their desire for the future of the mRNA platform is more important than actually making sure it's safe for you. He said there is no evidence showing that the booster, which isn't a booster, provided better protection than existing jabs. You know another way to say that? There's no evidence that it goes either way, right? They're always slanting it towards, there's no evidence that it works better. Yeah, well, what if it made it way, way worse? There's no evidence means it could be either direction. The CDC cites polling, which suggests 72% of respondents would definitely or probably receive bivalent boosters. That's such a manipulative lie. I mean, look at what's happening right now. The last booster they pushed at people got barely any uptake. Like, it just bl- flatlined. And now they're going to go, here's another one we didn't even test. Take that one. 75% of people said yes. I don't buy that for a second. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even conduct a poll. Just my opinion. You guys can look into it for yourselves. I really, frankly, don't care because at the end of the day, these things are not safe. So 72% of people were manipulated into thinking they should. That's how I would read it. But come to your own conclusions because they have no evidence that this thing is effective or safe. The boost uptake to the CDC has simplified. I'll take that back. I shouldn't say no evidence. They're pointing at something. It's just it has no clear connection or relation to what they're giving people in these Omicron bivalent injections as they're admitting all over the place. To boost uptake, the CDC has simplified its guidance on eligibility. Of course, we'll make it super simple. Just come in, we'll give it to you. We don't care. I'm being facetious. Recommending a single bivalent booster for everyone over 12. That's easy. All the fake deliberations of before, these ages and this one here and that one there. Ah, just everybody quick. <laughs> right? Because before it made sense to wait and, di- di- and dissect it. And these ages are good for this one and here now. But this new one, we barely tested. We don't know is safe that we just rapidly pushed out. Sure, everybody quickly. Why not? I mean, I'm being funny about it, but do you see how crazy that is? Why would you just be like, everybody over 12? For the least studied thing we've done so far. When before they acted like it was like a different, you know, every measured point, every time of 5 to 10, 12 to 15. 
I mean, the scam is exposed right now. And also it says, of course, over 12 who has already received a COVID vaccine. This point has gotten plenty of attention by myself included. The idea that it makes any sense, scientifically, safety, anything, to go and take the original thing that they're the ones telling you right now is not even in existence. That's why they're making the new one. But you got to get that one first. Do what you're told. Take the first thing, dutifully take your medicine, and then we'll give you the real medicine. I mean, just re- ask yourself how that makes sense. They're admitting this is not the thing that's circulating, if there even is anything circulating. But you have to go back and take the thing that doesn't make any sense, that is shown to increase your risk of myocarditis dramatically, so you can take the new thing that we haven't really tested yet. You following along? You think this makes sense for anybody? I don't believe anybody thinks this makes sense right now. I mean, I say anybody, but most people. There are really two types of people, they say. That's never true, by the way. Those who believe in the vaccine, who are generally up to date with their jabs, and those who don't. <laughs> Fake, right? What about all the people that were, quote, up to date and then refused the last booster? Oops, that doesn't make sense, right? Well, I guess technically that would up. See, I, the reason I say that is because they never changed their up to date. Up to date eventually became one booster. But there was two, there was three. I think we got the three boosters out there in some places. And in, in at least two here where they allowed it to be given. So the point is, there are people all over that spectrum that are just not sure what's going on anymore. But they really would love to break it down like this, right? Left or right, black or white, everything. It's all binary. They want it to be the only thing you're allowed to do anyway. But the point is, guys, this is unbelievable. But it is happening. Here's the EU watchdog approves vaccine targeting Omicron subvariants. Right. Do we care what these watchdogs think if they're approving something that has basically no evidence, as even their own people are admitting? Why? Because we're all in danger? Well, we know that's not true. Since I said that next, we play this one first. We need to remember this, guys. And this, this is not new information. I didn't realize I was on the screen. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Here, let's do this one instead. This discussion from Quebec, as you guys saw, I previously showed this, is so important. Now, this, this is the controlled demolition, whether they know that they're part of that or not. Or whether she's being honest in one fleeting moment where it squeaks out. It doesn't really matter. The point is we've slowly watched this change. And this is not new. The COVID-19, if that was really something going on, was less than the flu. Maybe because it was the flu from the very beginning. For the vast majority of people. That's why they were forced to even out the the risk between every age. Despite the fact that now after the vaccine, they're like, well, we got to make sure we break it up by age because it doesn't make sense. Okay. In the beginning, they averaged it out. So all the over 80s, and don't forget that the average, the, the pe- people dying from supposedly from COVID-19 were dying past the life expectancy of the United States. How do, so th- there's no point at which you can't see that this was not a real threat for most people. When you look at all the data, they just like to go long COVID or any, all these hypothetical things that have never really fleshed out. Because don't forget, they have not proven long COVID is even a real thing. It could be, sure. Peer-reviewed science, at least in one case, calls it psychosomatic. But they haven't proven it. There's multiple vying theories about what this could be. So when they go, it's long COVID, they don't know. When a doctor diagnoses that, they're ridiculous because they have no idea it's even real. Or when they say, oh, it's SADS, that is an excuse for saying we have no idea what's happening. Most likely a vaccine side effect, in my opinion, based on a lot of different things. But here is what they're telling you in Quebec, at the very least, that for kids right now, it is less than the flu. And yet they're still pushing this. All the needs of the population. Thank you. And my second question is for Dr. Quash. I believe you mentioned in French uh, that when it comes to COVID in schools and with children, it might be time to treat it more like other respiratory viruses. Uh, could you explain what you mean by that? 
Well, what I meant is we see complications arising from other respiratory viruses, be it influenza, RSV. Um, what we've seen in terms of severity of COVID disease in children is that it is actually less than influenza for most age groups in terms of rates of hospitalization. For most age groups, not even just children. That's the primary. But this is the reality. I mean, this is not my opinion that this is an expert speaking, but you can prove it with the data, the data they've been aggressively trying to manipulate, cover up, keep from your view, wait 75 years to release. We all see the information. Well, that's in regard to the danger of the injection, but same point. And so at one point in time, we'll have to treat this virus as all the others and not be as stringent in trying to see where it's coming from, um, trying to prevent its transmission completely, mainly because we now have most of us underlying immunity, be it through vaccination and or previous infection. Now, whether or not you believe that there is something like this happening, as I always point out, the argument of arguing from within their narrative, they're the ones arguing that, you know, herd immunity concept, the idea that most people have had COVID or the fact that their own peer reviewed science continues to show that it's durable, lasting, and robust. If you have natural immunity that continues to make uh, antibodies against variants of concern all the way up through Omicron. I've proven this with peer-reviewed science. At least that's what it's saying, right? So the point is that inside their own narrative, they're the ones telling you that, well, if everyone's got immunity, why are we still point? Why are we still doing this? They just, they just, it doesn't make sense. There's no answer for that. They just keep kind of ignoring natural immunity, even after they've been forced to admit that it's always been there. Even after they've been forced to acknowledge that they, in a very propagandized way, tried to shut it down like it didn't exist. Did anybody actually buy that? How embarrassing. So we're at this turning point where, you know, we're not far from just saying COVID or RSV or antivirus. I'm not going to know. It's a respiratory virus. And we think that children are going to cope with it pretty well. Thank you. Now, you can see how this leads into the, you know, now allowed to live with COVID mindset, which is exactly what you would argue they want to transition to, to bring you into the next stage of this. Right. So it doesn't have to be that you have to ignore everything she's saying because viruses don't exist, which is such a weird block for people. Now, whether or not wrong, whether or not you're right or wrong, right? The point is, just acknowledge the argument from within the narrative point we're trying to make. Because at the end of the day, it's obvious that none of it adds up, even within their own narrative. It just—it's so crazy and obvious to me. So the point is that this is not dangerous, right? So as they're pushing this new injection, their argument is that it's we have to have to rush it out with no safety testing because it's we're in danger. But they just told you that it's not dangerous. The, their own information from the Oxford calculator, from anywhere, proves to you that this is not for the vast majority of people. There's, of course, there's some danger. There's always some danger. Anywhere, from anything. That's not an excuse to shut down and destroy life and force people to take things that you haven't tested. <clears throat> and this is my point about the fact that they're now going, oh, good, they covered this up. They did this. The risk is it's negative efficacy. Yes, exactly. Why are they being allowed to squeak those things out? They'll still call that conspiracy theory. But they allow the podcast. He's got ads on there. So at some level, they at least YouTube side of it, are uh, they want that to be the case. Now, we also know, as we've played before, important to include this again, that the WHO's chief scientist has told you that they don't, it's in line with the safety testing point, that they don't know. They have some kind of response from these things, but does it translate to actual clinical efficacy? Well, we don't know. Time will tell, which means your body is the experiment. And the FDA has approved the one that has the BA45 uh, Omicron variant. 
And as always, no, the FDA has not approved it. It's an emergency authorization. She probably slipped on that or meant to misinform you. I'm not sure. But as the UK and, and Europe have approved the BA1, so there are two different types of vaccines. Now, what they've shown in lab studies is that these bivalent vaccines um, help you to mount a slightly higher antibody response against Omicron. But whether that's going to translate into any kind of clinical efficacy, we don't know because we don't really have those studies. And so time will tell whether we need this type of Omicron-specific vaccine. And the FDA has approved. Time will tell. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on in your body and find out and let you know. That's, that's what this is. And here's them admitting that they don't know how it even works. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Right. So no established correlation between the injection being given and the protection that they claim you get. They don't know how it even makes the response. They just know that it does. And so that's why she's going, well, we know it does something. But will it actually translate to efficacy? That's the exact same answer she gave in the FDA meeting, not her, but the lady you just saw. And here's the chief WHO scientist saying, we don't even know. You're the experiment. I mean, this should really upset people, but this is why this is not there. It's not hard to understand this. There's no confusion here. There's no, mis there's no misframing or selective editing. It's just simply the reality. And they don't like that that reality causes vaccine hesitancy, so they call it misinformation or disinformation because they don't want people thinking about what this very clearly shows you. Not my opinion about it, but what she literally said is their problem. And finally, that this is not even a booster. So why are we trusting the people that have to slowly evolve the narrative from their own lies to trick people into doing what they either have decided is the right thing, because they don't care what you think, and they, they think that you, they know better for your own body, or they don't care if it's dangerous, there's something else more nefarious going on. As I said, well, let me play the clip first. And as I said, squirms in this tweet, because this is exactly what it looks like to me when somebody in her position... Hmm. I swear I downloaded that. <laughs> Maybe I did. I'll grab it real quick. But as I said, she squirms in this video. And like really visibly. And that's why one, the one reason why I think she has a hard time with this job is because she's not good at hiding that confusion. Like when she's very clearly doesn't know what to say and keeps glancing at the book and so on. That's, you know, that's the kind of person that shouldn't have this position. You know, the position of lying to people constantly about things that you need to be able to sell. Thank you. Uh, you've been referring to this new shot as the updated COVID-19 vaccine. Can you explain a little bit more the decision to no longer be calling it just a booster? Well, we, we have to remember, we haven't seen a, a vaccine, a new vaccine since December uh, 2020. Uh, now, again, what does that have to do with the question? You see, it's just, it's always just, we look over there, look over here. Let's talk about this. It's a great thing. Our health and medical experts made an independent determination that we now have new updated vaccine, as you just said, to vaccines. But yes, your point is that they just called and said, Hey, you guys got to stop calling it a booster. It's not a booster or whatever the process was. They didn't just update it tomorrow and say, we've been calling a booster. They call, they said, it's not a booster. It is a vaccine. 
And then they just said, well, we changed that. So, so your answer is we were wrong. We've been saying the wrong thing and they corrected us. Why, why is it so difficult for these people to say we were wrong or say, I don't know. When do you ever hear that from either side? Pretty much never. That's crazy. Right. Because it happens all the damn time that they're wrong or that, that, that they are wrong or that they don't know all the time. COVID, it is the first time that we have seen this type of up updated vaccine, like I said, since December of 2020. And if you and the message to folks that we are we're, we are providing yeah. is if you're 12 or older and it's been at least two months since you last got a shot, you should get these new. So she just reverts back to the talking points, not even asking the question. She's reading directly for the 12 and, and it's a good thing and vaccines are good. Right. Right, guys. And we haven't had one since before. And. I mean, that's pathetic. I mean, my God, she is completely under the gun right now. And she has no idea. She's just reading like her finger. You can see on the line almost reading right from the page that has literally nothing to do with the question she asked. Just say you were wrong. We called it the wrong thing. Next question. I mean, it's not that big of a deal when you really think about it, except for the idea that they know that we know that they were trying to manipulate us. And that's why you're not supposed to really define that. Just my opinion on that. But I think that's pretty clear. Dated vaccines right away. That's the doctor's advice. And they made this decision independently. Right. That wasn't an answer. They made the decision that they need the things is what you just said. Not that they said you were wrong about what to call, what to call it. You still need to get the first original dose before you can get this shot. The FDA, the CDC, they're still referring to this as a booster. So. Ah, and there you go. Right. So the CDC is still going with the talking points. Because that's what they do. They're a wildly politicized entity today, which we've seen a hundred times over. So even as they are already having to acknowledge that they called it the wrong thing, the, 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 the other groups are continuing to go along with the thing, or the, with the narrative. And you'll probably see them eventually quietly change that as well. But it's not a booster. Scientifically speaking, as you know, as I've been harping on, and here we are being proven correct, it is not. It is an independently separate thing. I guess why the discrepancy are you concerned that may cause some confusion? Well, doctor's advice, and they made this decision independently. But you do still need to get the first original dose before you can get this shot. The FDA, the CDC, they're still referring to this as a booster. So I guess why the discrepancy are you concerned that may cause some confusion? Well, I'm not going to get into like regulatory language on what to call this. I'll leave that to uh, a booster or a vaccine. We'll just lay, I'm just laying out what the doctors and the expert uh, have recommended. Uh, right. Okay. So the doctors and the experts are like, it's not a booster. And the CDC doesn't care. There's no dispute there, right? I mean, that's the crazy part. I'm not going to get into the regulatory link. Well, they just cleared it up. It's not a booster, period. There's no dispute. So we just acknowledge this. Well, I don't know why the CDC is still calling it the wrong thing that we all know is the wrong thing. That will be the right answer. I don't know. Ask the CDC. <laughs> it's just, it's so clear that there's an organized effort here to not really focus on certain things. It's all obfuscation. Her job is to literally obfuscate anything she's supposed to. That's what their job is. That's what she's supposed to do lie to you in every possible way when they tell her to. Now, I mean, we shouldn't even balk at that. That is what the job is. And we've seen that throughout the years. Like that guy, they got asked about Saudi Arabia in comparison to, to Iran. And he just went, ugh, and just stared at the camera for like the most, the longest, most uncomfortable silence I've ever seen. Like 30 seconds. And was, and then it just like pulled him off the stage with that big long hook. It was really bad because there was no answer for it. You're being hypocrites. Is the, is the reality about, you know, Iran, bad guy, while Saudi Arabia is doing horrendous things. It's just the point is these people all lie to you.
a booster or a vaccine. We'll just lay, I'm just laying out what the doctors and the expert uh, have recommended. Uh, this is, again, a new vaccine. We haven't seen uh, a new vaccine since December. And back to the talking points. <laughs> right? just, that line, she said three times now. 2020. What this vaccine does, uh, it, it targets the Omicron variant, which is the... Nope, not true, right? She doesn't even know what she's talking about. Omicron is one thing. The sub-variants of Omicron are the B4, B5. They even have their own names, by the way. They're not the Omicron. So she, it's just, this is just straight. I mean, guys, that is medical misinformation. That is lying to the American people. Go, Oh, it's just Omicron? Oh, okay, well, I already got that. No big deal. Not true. That's completely untrue. Let's do it again. Since December 2020, what this vaccine does, uh, it targets the Omicron variant, which is the dominant variant, not just here, but globally. Uh, and this is uh, this is good news. This is a step forward. It targets the original strain, they claim, and BA4 and 5. That's it. I've gone over this completely right on in front of everybody. So that is a sub variant, they claim, of Omicron. But here's the point. It's a new vaccine. So it's not really. They're playing this sub, 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 sub variant. They continued past. Remember in the beginning, every new point oh something was a new name. We're going to go right down the Greek alphabet, right? And suddenly it just stopped on Omicron. It was sub variant, sub variant, sub variant, sub variant. And that's how they work that. And this is a completely different thing. Even they're telling you it's a different vaccine. So she's lying to people and she doesn't even probably realize that. And we're going to hear more from the president about this. Uh, but we think uh, this is, uh, again, a good step forward. We are in a place where uh, COVID is now manageable. We know what works. We know what keeps us safe. What keeps us from not getting sick is by getting vaccinated. And <laughs> Do I even need to comment on that? Narrative, narrative, narrative talking point. Go ahead. And, uh, right now, if you think about it, there's more than 200 million Americans who are currently fully vaccinated. That's 77%. Oh, and now we're continuing to go. We're, we're, we're stepping back into fully vaccinated. Like, you know, what's funny. <clears throat> let's let's look at this real quick. Let's see what it actually says. Oh, you know, what's funny, by the way, on top of that, that I don't even remember seeing the vaccine uptake. Let's start with U.S. They used to have the breakdown on the page, you know, where you could see it. Remember, like right on the front page of Google or Brave or whatever it was. Let me just see if maybe Google has it. Point is, I don't even believe that's accurate. Yep, look at that. She's wrong anyway. I mean, my God, guys, we, it's incredible that these people are just rattling off nonsense constantly, even getting their own fake news wrong. And that it's OK. No big deal. Sixty eight percent. That's fully vaccinated. That means two shots, apparently, or one. If I mean, who knows these days? But they all oh, the doses or that's not doses. I thought it was boosters or that's not boosters. But the point is, they then go, there's one booster and there's two boosters. And you're up to date if you got both boosters. Right. Because remember, Fauci by they're all double boosted, they claim, which who knows if that's even true. So why, how can it possibly be fully vaccinated if you need to be up to date to do things? It's the, con it's the constant contradictions of their illogical narrative. It's always been broken. Here she is saying something that's wrong. Let's play it again. Of the population who are currently fully vaccinated, that's 77% of the population. Is it? Right? 77%. Oops. 
who are 12 and, and older. Uh, and so that's, a, that's an important uh, way forward that the President has worked very hard since stepping into the uh, administration to make sure that we had a comprehensive uh, vaccine, uh, you know, getting shots into arms operation. And this is part of that. Ah, so that was all an asking an answer to why did you change the term? <laughs> thank, thank you for all the superfluous, nonsensical comments of the narrative to buffer all of your unanswered questions in there. And by the way, she said oh, over 12. I'm imagining that's why she's claiming at 70 something percent. But there was barely I mean, really, the number under 12 is pretty damn small. But in any case it's fully vaccinated from boosted or up to date, which is what they transitioned to. Remember, they said it's no longer fully vaccinated. Now it's about up to date. Then everyone said, screw your boosters. They go, oh, we're going to go back to fully vaccinated then because the number looks better. These people are ridiculous, guys. It's, you should be embarrassed by watching these people speak to you. And as I said, exactly what I've been telling you. Not a booster. It's a whole new thing. KGP squirms while trying to explain why the CDC and White House have been and still are referring to this as a booster and demanding you get an original shot first anyway. Makes no sense, guys. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, in regard to how this is hurting people, just a couple of quick side points, because I've been going over this relentlessly. The increased uh, excess death everywhere that nobody can explain, or the baffling neurological problems are everywhere you talk about this. By the way, I didn't get into it today, but there's even a document now from the CDC going, monkeypox is causing neurological problems. Well, guess what? There's no evidence of that previous to this new weird monkeypox problem. But now we just go, yeah, monkeypox, neurological. There's a study that says so. Well, what changed then? Is it even monkeypox? Is that vaccine side effects being called monkeypox? Nobody cares about this anymore, even though it's obvious that it's possible. See, just asking that question doesn't mean that we're arguing that every single one of them is. Aren't you allowed to ask whether it's possible that something that can cause the same looking thing could accidentally be called monkeypox or accidentally be called COVID? Of course not. Fake news, because that's not possible. We all know it's possible. The real question is, to what degree do we think it's happening? Now, here is an example from Ireland. And we've been show- we've shown you all these places, by the way. This is just a kind of quick break o- over the top of it. But Ireland, as Cat, Cat A is pointing out, a staggering 719,000 emergency hospital visits between January and June 2022. In all of 2021, it was only 115,000. How are we acting like this isn't happening? That's my point, guys, is I don't think anybody is actually not seeing this. I think there are people that are invested in the agenda, people that are scared to point it out for a multitude of reasons, and everybody else that sees this. And it's very clear. How can you possibly look at that information and not go, these things are killing people? And by the way, this is backed up by Scotland, the UK. I mean, everywhere we've shown you, everywhere is showing you this kind of information right now. This is Irish Examiner. I'm going to play the clip for you. Now it's recorded from a TV, but it's the same point. And we've made this point many different places. Hold on, they're saying that between January 2022 and June of 2022, I know we're trying to figure that you know at the time of the morning, uh, seven, uh, 719,000 people yeah. have attended yes. the emergency departments. And- now, I should have set it up better. The point is this is the Irish Examiner, so it's corporate media, and this is a, like a broad mainstream channel over there. That's in comparison to what was, sorry, what's the figure there? Uh, 115,000. Yes. Absolutely staggering yes. numbers. But you know what? Like the- so that's really just it. I just wanted to make sure you guys saw that. I mean, that's, my God. How do you possibly walk away from that and just go, everything's fine, you know, long COVID or something. I mean, you can't even argue that it's COVID. 
with every, I mean, there's no way. I mean, most of these you can prove aren't even COVID related. That's why they're going, we're baffled. It's long COVID or something. Monkeypox. I don't know. Sad SIDS. There is actually no answer. Why is everybody, anybody okay with that? This should be a stop everything. We have to take, I mean, if the hypothetical potential risks of reports of previous vaccines, 50 plus reports are enough from the same Bayer system to stop a previous vaccine. Yet we're at a point where we have 20,000 plus deaths, hundreds of thousands of reports. And then just go, oh, we don't, we don't know for sure. So keep giving it because that makes sense, right? This is the point at which you go, everything stops. There's clearly a worldwide crack, catastrophic problem, whether it's the vaccine or something else. We need to pause everything and figure out what that is. Is it the mass? Is it the fact that we're doing things? Is it lockdowns? Is it mental health? Who knows? Except we all seem to probably have a good indication of what that is. The evidence is pretty clearly pointing at the jab. But the people up there don't even care. I mean, I don't know how else you can look at this. To just go, well, we'll just keep going with all the experimental things while this happens. Here's the one I played in the beginning. I'll play it all the way out. This Marcella pointed this out first. I just shared it right here saying it's dangerous for everyone, period, which will probably get this account censored. We'll find out. The bottom line is this is what we've been saying from the beginning, or rather, I shouldn't say the very beginning, but once the data became quite clear, you know, we've been saying this on this channel for a long time. I'm tired of playing this wishy-washy half measure game. That's why I'm so glad to see someone like Dr. Ryan Cole coming out and saying it. This is bad. It's dangerous for everybody, no matter what. Even if you want to argue it gives you some kind of, a, of antibody, even appropriate antibody response, it is dangerous from the beginning to the end. It is increasing your risk of a hundred other things that aren't even COVID-related. So it never ends up being associated in these focused reports, and that's intentional. The spike protein in and of itself is dangerous, so it's, it doesn't matter what kind you're getting. But that also includes, on top of that, with the mRNA versions, lipid nanoparticles, mRNA, these things are also independently dangerous. Nanoparticles by themselves. I've shown you the NIH study that makes that clear. Reproductive problems, cancers. Well, gee, that seems relevant, doesn't it? Well, listen to what he has to say, because this is obvious, and we need to stop playing this half measure and call this what it is, guys. Spike protein is a toxin. So it, it's not, it doesn't matter whether it's J&J, AstraZeneca, Moderna, uh, Pfizer, they all make your body make a spike protein. That spike protein binds to a tumor suppressor gene family, P53. It also binds to the breast cancer gene, BRCA, and the ovarian cancer gene, BRCA. We know that that spike protein can induce cancer pathways, period. It's happening. Cancers are on the increase across the board, lymphomas, leukemias, blood cancers, because that spike goes to the bone marrow. The lipid nanoparticle carries the mRNA to your dividing stem cells because it doesn't stay in the arm. It can go into any cell in your body and it turns that cell into a spike factory. It inhibits the ability for your DNA to repair itself. It binds to uh, our mitochondria, destroys the energy of our brain cells, destroys the energy of our liver cells, destroys the energy of any cell it gets into. Your own immune system attacks those cells. So a lot of people have arthritic pain, muscle pain. It's because those cells are being attacked by your own immune system because they're expressing this foreign spike protein. That spike protein causes mechanisms of cancer in many people, and I've been seeing that in the lab. I've been having it confirmed by oncologists, radiologists, radiation oncologists, pathologists all around the world as I travel. It is happening. It's on the uptick. Our military database showed it until our Department of Defense illegally froze that database and hit the data. 
Um, this is a crime against humanity where using a dangerous product on humanity that is harming the human cells, that is harming the human body, that is harming our hormones, that is harming our reproductive organs, that is harming any organ where that, that protein lands, period. And he has been on, he has been pointing out this cancer association from the beginning. Like there's few, there's I, I, maybe even nobody else in this entire discussion that I find as, as genuine as, as, well, I shouldn't say that. And there's probably a few others that I've gotten like Denny Rancourt, for example, I think is outstanding. Even if we disagree on something, I find it to be very genuine, but, and, and by the way, oh my gosh, I'm realizing right now, sorry to break up. I feel like I forgot to respond to him in regard to setting up our interview. I, but in any case that he just seems genuine and honest. Right, he is putting himself at great risk and coming out and attacking these things from a very, a very, you know, scientific stance, not political. Like, and again, not even the political makes it wrong. But there's a lot of people out there that have taken a very political angle on this, the Republican side of this, and they're fighting with the Republicans and on Republican shows, and you know, and I just, I, I, that doesn't mean it's wrong, but it makes me more, more skeptical. Not that he hasn't been on the shows as well, but out of all of them, you know, he really has been out ahead of this for a long time. One of the, I haven't even had him on the show. I, I, I don't think I've tried to reach out to him. There's so many people to talk to, but damn it, he has been proven right a hundred times over. And it's so very obvious. This is a dangerous thing for everybody. As he points out, the cardiologists, there's people everywhere that are speaking up about this and calling this what it is. It's time to do the same, guys. We need to have the courage to be open and out and outspoken about this. Dr. Russell Blaylock, who put out a good study on, I'll show you next on and and, and uh, CBI and why am I blanking on which which organ which uh well in any case the National Library of Medicine and BCI and CBI. In any case, he puts out uh, it says two cardiologists studied all of their injected patients and found over eighty percent had sky high D dimer tests, which we've already referenced on this show. I forget the guy who first brought that up. Very important because it's obviously relevant, indicating they had microclots. The test, that test being something that he was arguing you demand to get your doctor to test if you have any concerns because it'll, it'll indicate that this is something that's there before it's a big problem. When you have a micro em, emboli, all those organs are going progressively fail over in time and you're susceptible to every disease. This is pointed by uh, Metonona or Metanoa. <laughs> now, this is Dr. Blaylock, also on, on uh, CHD TV pointing out what his findings are. And it's the similar concept, right? All these doctors are coming out and imagine that point at which, remember the beginning where there's only a few people had enough courage or saw it at that point and they were dismissed, attacked, relegated in the corners of the fringe conspiracy theorists. Look how many people are out there today. Are you really going to try to pretend that these people are all anti-science fringe conspiracy theorists? I mean, they've just lost control of this. It's very obvious. And I do believe it's because of work like everybody in this chat, people out there that are honest enough have the courage enough to continue to push this in front of people like this. And if you're honest enough, these people, the people like this, they will see it and feel obligated to do something about it. Compelling data showing these injections would result in fatal and thrombosis, that is blood clots, strokes, heart attack, lost limbs. People have lost both legs, both arms. Wow. One woman lost both legs. Why, why did uh, we not know that? And now that we know it, there's a simple test to see if you have blood clots. It's called the D-dimer test. Well, why has the government not ordered every person who has been vaccinated to have a D-dimer test? That would disclose how many people were at risk and what percentage of people were developing clots, even what we call microclots. That's in the small vessel. Well, we know why, because there were two cardiologists who studied all of their vaccinated patients 
And both studies found that over 80% of the patients had their sky-high D-dimer test, My God. indicating that these people had microemboli. Well, when you have a microemboli in your brain or your heart or your kidney, those organs are going to gradually and progressively fail over time and are susceptible to every kind of disease now. And you could at any time have a massive thrombosis, which would result in a devastating stroke. One of the things being seen is a thrombosis of the superior sagittal sinus and transverse sinus in the, in the brain. Don't forget Dr. Bhakti, who was interviewed early on with this with, by, by Taylor uh, Hudak, was one of the earliest people to say that. Vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia. He called this out right in the beginning and was attacked mercilessly for it. He was right, like many of them are. Uh, in 24, uh, well, a total of 30 years of, of clinical neurosurgery, uh, I may have seen two or three cases. Hmm. We're now seeing a, a, a number of these cases, and they're occurring in young people. Well, the only reason is because of this uh, uh, microemboli and this uh, embolism caused by the insertion of the spike protein from the vaccine and a nanolipid carrier into the wall of the blood vessel. That's been proven now. Proven by peer-reviewed science. I mean, this is the, 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 now to understand the controlled demolition of the illusion does not include taking culpability or ha- ha- taking accountability for these actions. That I mean, unless it's going to be dumped on one person like Trump, right? Just, oh, he did it. It was his fault. He rushed it out. And here's a document we found in his house that proves that or whatever narrative they patched together, right? That's that would make sense. But they I, these things they're admitting. There are so many levels of culpability of people that knew this, saw this, ignored information, allowed things to be pushed out when they knew that it wasn't safe. Even at the very least, that people like Offit and and uh, I forget it's the other guy's name now. At the very least, voting no. So on their record, they can say, hey, I said no. And maybe I didn't push back hard enough, but I said we wasn't smart to push this out. The people that are allowing this while there's no safety testing, while they know all of this, well, at the very least, I mean, I can't say for sure they all know all of this. They should, because it's very, it's very public. At the end of the day, these things are going to go forward and that part of it won't be addressed. I just, we need to acknowledge that because that's exactly what we all want. Somebody needs to be held accountable for what has happened. Not just point at the thing they caused to then build for the next solution to the problem they created. That's always how this works. Utilize the very thing they created to drive in the next agenda. Foreign policy is now directed in where it's the same thing, guys. It's all directed at you now. Whether from a domestic terrorism point or a biosecurity point, your body is the focus. As an individual, as a domestic terrorist, or as an individual internally, which we're going to get to next. Now, here's the study you can read. Uh, I pointed this before, I think. But in any case, it's everything for the most part that we've already gone over. But it's a great scathing review of all of this. COVID update. What is the truth? Now you've, it's, it's, it's a long discussion. And he talks about all the stuff we're talking about. It's important. And that's this guy speaking right here. Now, last point before we go to the, the uh, Ukraine three points that lead into the, the executive order. A new Harvard Johns Hopkins study found that for every one COVID hospitalization presented, 18 to 98 serious adverse events. Don't forget, that means death, disability, uh, 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 permanent, uh, what was it? The, oh, loss of like a pregnancy. Either case, these are serious things. 18 to 98 for every one, well, for every one hospitalization prevented, they claim. That's incredible. Now, this isn't some fringe anti-science group. Johns Hopkins, Harvard, many PhDs. How are we still pretending this is dismissible? 
The vaccine and vaccine mandates have been an enormous mistake and studies are proving it. Larry Sanger points out from Knowledge Standards Foundation, PhD philosophy, you know, so this is uh, from Epoch Times, which I'm so, this is so confusing to me, by the way. I was always calling it the Epoch Times. I just thought that's what it was until somebody corrected me. And then I believe I saw it from somebody that I thought was close enough to the group to know what it was pronounced as properly. But now I'm seeing people, I just saw somebody else call it the Epoch Times and a group, I, I don't know. I'd love to know from the Epoch or Epic Times what how it's supposed to be pronounced because <laughs> Epoch Times does actually make sense in an interesting way. But whatever, Epic I'll stick with because I feel like I was corrected on that. But somebody let me know. Now, this is a great article. Unethical and up to 98 times worse than the disease. Top scientists publish paradigm-shifting study about COVID vaccines, but the problem is they're not listening to science anymore. They're only listening to the people that claim they are the science, like a Fauci or the CDC. But the real, ongoing, peer-reviewed science and the scientific method is happening all around that, and it is scathing and calling out everything they're doing. They just don't point at it. And the corporate media acts like it's not there. They don't even debunk these things anymore. They don't have the editorial teams pull these things back anymore because it's everywhere. Here's the study. I'll show you next. Oh, and just since we're 50 pages, 50 pages. Look at all the names in here. University of Washington, Edinburgh, Edinburgh Medical School, University of Oxford, University of Toronto, Faculty of Law, Harvard Medical School, University of California, San Francisco, Johns Hopkins University, two from Johns Hopkins. Florida Department of Health, from the Florida Department of Health, of course, because Florida Republican, right? I mean, my God, this is everywhere. All of these people are not fringe, basement-dwelling, anti-science conspiracy theorists. I mean, I know I don't need to sell you guys on it, but I'm hoping I'm catching that one person who's new surveying because they think we're fake news. This is so very clear. Now, of course, because it's from the Epic Times, they're going, oh, very the study's right there. Read it for yourself. But let's go through this first. A team of nine experts from Harvard, Johns Hopkins, and other top universities has published paradigm-shifting research about the efficacy and safety of these injections and why mandating them for college students, which, by the way, as we keep showing you, is still happening despite everything, all the risks, all the unnecessary, why mandate it for something less than the flu for most ages? Because this is an agenda. That's why. Analyzed CDC and industry-sponsored data on vaccine-adverse events and concluded that mandates for COVID boosters for young people may cause 18 to 98 serious, actual serious adverse events for each COVID infection-related hospitalization theoretically prevented, right? That's the claim that they claim. They claim that it prevents one hospitalization for every so many jabs, right? Their argument is they 18 to 98 serious adverse events within that amount for every one of those hospitalizations they claim is prevented. There is no way possible that that is safe and effective or benefits outweigh the risks. End of story. Now, if this study is correct, you should look at it for yourself. But there's plenty of other data and peer-reviewed science that backs exactly this up. Maybe not the exact number, but the idea that these things are dangerous and hurting people more than anything else. The paper is, in, in the context of the discussion, the paper is co-authored by Dr. Stefan Baral, an epidemiologist professor at James Hopkins University. Surgeon Marty Adel McCary, MD, Martin, oh, Martin McCary, we've re- referenced before, Johns Hopkins, known for his books exposing medical malfeasance and so on. Uh, Dr. Vinay Prasad, a hematologist oncologist who is a professor at the USCSF's Department of Epidemiology, as well as an author of over 350 academic and peer reviewed articles. Most notable is Salman uh, Hishaviji, MD, PhD, current director of Harvard Medical School, Center for Global Health Delivery. Think about that. 
The current director of Harvard Medical School Center for Global Health Delivery is standing up and telling you these injections are dangerous. They're bad for you. They're pretend they are hurting more people by like 98 times for every one hospitalization they say they stop. How can you possibly dismiss that claim? I'm not saying you should buy it at face value. But shouldn't you stand back for those people watching corporate media and say, my God, this guy is not a slouch. He seems to know what he's talking about, at least in the context of how they frame experts. So shouldn't we listen and consider his opinion? Well, no, because because he said it, he's now a fake news conspiracy theorist. That's how the narrative goes. Risking disenrollment. As the study points out, students at universities in America, Canada, Mexico, are being told they must have a third dose. They're being forced to take a booster shot or they're going to be disenrolled from school, you know, that they've already paid for. Unvaccinated high school students who are just starting college are being told they have to get these. Mandatory for attendance. These are administrations of schools deciding for their populations of, of students what is their medical choice. Not because the science says so, not because the government mandated it, because they've decided that. So as the government goes, oh, it's getting, it's getting better. COVID's going away. We're going to use this new injection. That, and they're going, we trust that because we trust what you claim is the science. Well, no, now they're not even trusting them. They've decided what the science is. They've decided what, and that's just narrative. So they're not even trusting the fake science anymore. They're trusting what they believe is right. They're hyped up on their own moral superiority because vaccine's good, right? Their propaganda works a little too well on people like that. And either way, it works good for them because they're still given the shot. But it says, while some countries are quietly compensating people for devastating vaccine injuries, which is everywhere, other countries are limiting vaccine recommendations. We just talked about that. I think it was the UK suddenly said, no, I think it was the UK. Nobody under 12 is allowed to get these shots now after a certain point, not even on the table for them. And yet here's the United States claiming 12 and older need to get the new shot. And everybody else is still under down to infants recommended to get those shots. At the same time, public health authorities in Canada are suggesting Canadians will need the COVID injections every 90 days. Right back to where we told you in the very beginning this was going to go. I know, must have been psychic, right? Or we had the data that nobody wanted to talk about. The authors of this new paper argue that university booster mandates are unethical. And this is what the study says, and I'll reference a couple points of it. They give five specific reasons for this bold claim. Lack of policymaking transparency. Of course, that's obvious. The scientists pointed out that no formal or scientifically rigorous risk-benefit analysis of whether boosters are helpful in preventing severe infections and hospitalizations exists for young adults. Safe and effective, right? Except we don't even have the data. Expected harm. A look at the currently available data shows that mandates will result in what the authors call a net, a net expected harm to young people. This expected harm will exceed the potential benefit from the boosters. Potential benefit. This is, this is net expected harm based on what they're seeing in their study compared to just the, the argument that it will have benefits based on their narrative. And don't forget that the Gert Vandenbosch has been clearly arguing that the, the new Omicron-focused injections, or Omicron uh, variant, rather BA5B4-focused injections, will wildly exacerbate this problem specifically for the injected while sparing the people that don't have them. I mean, it seems like he's right. Lack of efficacy. The vaccines have not effectively prevented transmission of COVID. And yet they're standing on the back of that and making the new thing. This is what I've been saying about the mRNA technology from the beginning. There, I mean, right now I'll show you a clip next of Biden arguing we wouldn't do this for cancer. How in the world are we pretending like this has been proven out? Everyone failed repeatedly for 20 years until suddenly five companies succeeded simultaneously. There's nothing organic about that. And really, it seems that they didn't succeed at all. Maybe this was a massive test. But either way, 
They don't know. And right now they're not preventing anything and they've been forced to admit that. And we're going to stand on the shoulders of a failed project that's dramatically hurt people they're covering up and say, let's go to the next one. Let's just jump from there and say, here, we're not even going to look at this safety testing and we'll give you this one. We'll just make cancer injections from the same platform, even though it is not proven out. That's because that was always the plan. And don't forget, that was my opinion from the beginning, as well as a lot of other people. Were we guessing? Were we conspiracy theorists? Maybe both. But guess what? We were right. No recourse for vaccine-injured young adults. Yeah, there's no way to, there's no way around this. There, it, it, it gets into the study itself. The article, the study talks about the fact that it, these colleges, oh, and maybe it was this. Oh, no, I didn't highlight it. Okay, so the, it talks about the colleges. No, okay, let's make sure I didn't skip it. I just want to be redundant. That the colleges essentially are saying that you, that you uh, have to take it. And then if you get sick or hurt, well, then you can go through this process, but they have the right of their own team to dismiss these things, whether before or after, like, so they can even for exemption. So, well, I, I don't, I have a religious exemption or I have a medical exemption. Well, apparently the colleges have their, hired their own little medical group to make their own decisions that apparently nobody can vet. And they can say, well, we don't agree. So guess what? No. <laughs> Do you wonder whether they're going to lean that way every time is, is what we saw before. Harm to society. Mandates. The authors insisted ostracize unvaccinated young adults. Of course they do. Excluding them from education and university employment opportunities. Coerced vaccination entails, quote, major infringements to free choice of occupation and freedom of association. The scientists wrote from Harvard and Johns Hopkins and every other school that we talked about, especially when mandates are not supported by compelling public health justification, says the a, a high level individual at Harvard. Not that that should make it mean that much more for you, but to them it would. So it's funny that they don't pretend this isn't there. The consequences of non-compliance include being unenrolled, losing internet privileges, losing access to the gym and other athletic facilities, and being kicked out of campus housing, among other things. These punitive approaches, according to authors, have resulted in unnecessary uh, uh, psychosocial stress, reputation damage, loss of income, and fear of being deported, to name just a few. Here's the study itself. I just want to read you the, the one a little bit of redundancy here, but from their abstract. It says, we present a risk-benefit abs- assessment of boosters. Now, I wonder whether I'm pretty... Now, this is about... This is important because this is not about the new thing. This is about the ones they've already been giving, which, don't forget, is the exact same shot from the beginning. So if they're pointing at the booster, it's, it's the same problem. It's the same shot, but no different. From the very, very beginning, this is the same thing just called a booster. It's the same shot again which you could argue would make sense as the word booster, but the point is that it's not something different. This new one is completely different. That's why they tried to call it a booster, so it would sound like the same thing. But they're, they're looking at the shots they've been giving since the beginning of this. They presented a risk-benefit ana- assessment of those in the age group and provide five ethical arguments against the mandates, which we just went over. They estimate that 22,000 to 30,000 previously uninfected adults aged 18 to 29 must be boosted with an mRNA injection to prevent one- COVID hospitalization. Using CDC and sponsored a reported adverse event data from the CDC itself, we find that booster mandates may cause a net expected harm per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented in previously uninfected adults. We anticipate 18 to 98 serious adverse events, 98 for every one, including 1.7 to three booster associated myocarditis cases in males for every one hospitalization prevented. Up to three booster-associated myocarditis cases, which are always potentially deadly. And 1,000 
373 to 3,234 cases of grade three or higher re uh, reactogenicity, which interferes with daily activities. Given the high prevalence of post-infection immunity, which they want to disregard, the risk-benefit profile is even less favorable. We consider counter-arguments such as a desire for socialization and safety and show that such arguments lack scientific and or ethical support. My God. It's very clear. And the point that, that's coming out, that's like they're allowing these people to talk about these things. There's an obvious point here that this is being allowed to happen. But it's also interesting and in telling that they're not talking about the real depth of this, right? The danger that's happening. Now, to bring this over into the executive order, I want to make two, three quick points about, about the, de the demolition of other things like your food supply chains and your energy supply chains and everything else they want to destroy so they can rationalize rebuilding it, which is one part of what this executive order outlines. As Sarah Dalla points out, Putin claims, Western elites are sacrificing the prosperity of their own citizens for the sake of preserving Washington's dict dict dictatorship in global affairs. Now, to a degree, I would argue I would agree with that, except it tends to paint a one sided narrative of this as if Putin and Russia aren't clearly involved in what I feel is the demolition of all of this for a larger agenda. So is he just playing his role in all of this? It's a good question to ask. And I think part, part of me wants to say, yes, it's hard to know for sure. But listen to what he says. See, I don't know how I missed all these. <laughs> I went through these. But, oh, that I could tell I didn't because I didn't remove the question mark garbage in the link always try to remove that guys. Cause that's how they track where these things come from and you know, what, who's sharing what and who, what your network is and so on. Well, let me download this real quick. So it's easier. Oh, you know what? That's why see getting ahead of myself and I'm wrong. So the reason I didn't download it now I remember is because there's subtitles. So let's play it right here. <laughs> okay. He says, I have already mentioned that the entire system of international relations has recently undergone irreversible tectonic shifts. Emerging states and regions around the world, primarily, of course, in the Asia-Pacific region, now play a substantially bigger role. He says, Asia-Pacific countries emerged as new centers of economic and technological growth, attracting human resources, capital, and manufacturers. Despite all that, Western countries are seeking to preserve yesterday's world order that benefits only them. I think we all see a level of that, but let's not, re let's not pretend like Russia in its own right is not trying to capitalize in its own way on exactly that same situation. It says, enforce everyone to live according to the rules which they themselves made up. You know, the rules-based order that they regularly do not abide by. They are also the ones who regularly violate these rules, always changing them to suit their agenda. Now, this is not to say that Russia does not do the, the same exact thing. My point is to focus on what he's saying and then show you why I think it's more of kind of a a one-sided presentation of something they're all involved in. But it says the refusal of the countries to subjugate themselves to this dictate forces, uh, dictate forces Western elites to uh, lose their grip to this dictate. And it says, and make short-sighted irrational decisions on global security, politics, and economics. All these decisions run counter to the interests of all countries and peoples, including the people of Western countries. I do agree with that. The gap separating the Western elites, elitists from their own citizens is widening. And I would argue in every one of these countries, Europe is about to throw its manufacturing base, the quality of life of its people and socioeconomic stability into the sanctions furnace. Depleting its potential as directed by Washington in the name of the infamous Euro-Atlantic unity. 
In fact, this amounts to sacrifice for the sake of preserving the dictatorship of the United States in global affairs. Interesting. Now, she says, Western elites... Oh, I just, I just read that. So here's uh, what I... Well, the next point was, before I point out my comments, was Vera Van Horn's pointing out, Russia finally does in Ukraine what the U.S. military starts every war with. Destroys energy grid. Looks like a polite war is over. Now, we all kind of saw this. We talked about this with the Nord Stream discussion or the, you know, the argument that they had to shut it down for, for update or whatever the claim was. It's obviously a game going on here. Either way... If you believe they are kind of, you know, the U.S. asked, there's, there is an aspect of the U.S. entities kind of really actually fighting against what's with the Russian entities in Ukraine. If that's what you, I mean, there's part of that that's impossible to miss. But I believe all of it is is in some ways leading in the same direction, right? What does this all still amount to? The destruction of the energy infrastructure, which clearly does affect people around this, especially in regard to Europe, which then just continues to create the same problem. That's what I think this is, whether or not parts of this are, are what he said. Now, as Ron Paul points out, while seeking to punish Russia by cutting off gas and oil imports, European Union politicians forgot that Europe is completely dependent on Russian energy supplies and that the only people to suffer if those imports are shut down are Europeans themselves. Now, sure, that certainly could be the case. Sounds pretty bumbling idiot kind of stance, but that doesn't surprise me for the government. But at the same time, I don't think they forgot anything. You could argue they just don't care that it would hurt you, and that would also make sense to me. But as I said, or as you guys know, this is not, not a hot take. Everybody can see this from most angles. This was all part of a design demolition of the current infrastructure to create the justification for the pre-planned solution. Meaning, this was not some bad political move. This was deliberate. It's the Great Reset, or 2030 Agenda, or however you want to look at this. It all connects. right? So I, I don't know whether I'm correct. The point is that this is something we should ask. Could this just be, I mean, it's just like with COVID-19. How do we miss a lockstep effort to do the same thing with most of the countries around the world all at the same time, and they just shift into climate change in 2030 on a dime, and suddenly the same time they do, weird, everything starts collapsing, energy and everything. Why? Because Putin? Are we forgetting that they're forcing organic farms to shut down all over the place, that they're threatening them for doing things that they're allowing major corporations to do, even though there's far more pollution coming from major corporations? I mean, you can't miss how ridiculously obvious this is. So my point is all of that leads into what they just put out. And guess what? This discussion is pointing out this this uh, advancing the biotechnology. Oh, I was going to keep it on the definitions. Hold on. I'll read it again. Advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe and secure American bioeconomy is using these problems, right? So we have energy crisis, food crisis. Well, not really. They've destroyed it all. And here's their solution. Well, let's build the bioeconomy. Isn't that what, doesn't that make sense to everybody? Is the the perfect solution is just to reimagine our entire world in the same direction they've been telling you they want to do for 20 years? Totally, because that'll solve the food crisis, energy crisis. Well, they sell you on that idea to some degree, but the manufacturing of this can't be missed. So let's go through this. Oh, first, I wanted to start with the definitions. It's interesting. There's a few in here that I'll point out at the end were, you know, glaring omissions. But just so you know what these things are. Uh, where is it? Right down. Here we go. The term biomanufacturing means to use the use of biological systems to develop products, tools, and processes at commercial scale. In case for those in the podcast that wasn't clear, this is the executive order that Biden just put out yesterday. And I read the title a second ago. Biomanufacturing, using biological systems to develop products, tools, and processes. 
So we'll get into that in a minute, what biological systems can mean and what biomanufacturing can mean and what it absolutely clearly does based on the way that they discuss this in the executive order. You, you are part of this, your body and your material. The term bioeconomy means economic activity derived from the life sciences, particularly in the area of biotechnology and biomanufacturing and includes industries, products, services, and the workforce. So understand when they talk about the bioeconomy, that includes the biomanufacturing, which includes the biological systems, and all of which includes your body, your genetic material, your blood, your all this stuff, which has already clearly been a focused on point that we need those things to understand the genome and blah, 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 blah. Well, we'll get into it. The term biological data means the information, including associated descriptors derived from the structure, function, and process of a biological system or systems that is measured, collected, or aggregated for analysis. So the data that they refer to in this thing is is the data they take from the biological system or systems. As you see, they put the S in parentheses. You know why? Because a biological system, which I'll show you in a minute, is very clear. That could mean, in part, you, your body. Or specifically, if we get inside your body, the systems would be your circulatory system, you know, those kind of different things. Or it could mean something outside your body, which is equally concerning to me, which I'll show you in a minute. But just understand what they're talking about when they refer to biological data in part, is stuff that's collected from those biological systems. So I want you to see how this all connects. The term biomass, which I find really interesting, means any material of biological origin that is available on a renewable or recurring basis. Examples of biomass include plants, trees, algae, and waste materials, such as crop residue, wood waste, animal waste, and byproducts, food waste, and yard waste. Now, main thing there is they really sell this as the idea of energy, the biomass energy angle. The one part that you'll see in here that they don't really lean into, which I, I find interesting in relation to like kind of the 2030 UN kind of idea, is that it's also a food source, or it can be. This gets into the food pellets idea that's totally conspiracy theory, which is exactly what that can be. We'll go through it. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're talking about, but it could be, and we'll go through it in what those terms mean and how this can be used. The term bioenergy means energy derived from a whole, in whole, or in significant part from biomass. That's simple. So that's, you know, basically using waste to burn these things to produce energy that turns this, that creates that, and creates energy, and, and you, you know, go through the whole process of it. But that was just the additional parts you understand it. The term, and this is really weird to me, by the way, and this, I think this is a term that stood out to me as something that will be more relevant as we go forward into what they're building. The term multi-omic I believe that's how you would say it, multiomic information, refers to combined information derived from data analysis and interpretation of multiple omics measuring technologies. Now, omics, it claims, or it says, are dis, uh, uh, disciplines in biology that include genomics, transcriptomics, preteomics, and metabiolomics. That is metabiolomics. Yeah, it's an interesting word. My point was genomics, biology. The idea that what the, one thing included in this, this broad term that people will not really understand when it's spoken, multiomic information, includes you, your genet genomic information, your, 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 all the stuff we're going to go over. So just understand that this term, it's meant to sound broad, multiomic information, or why don't you just say your genetic material? Because they don't want you realizing that that's part of what's happening here, guys. That's only one part of it, but the whole farming of us to advance society, or they sell you on that part of it, is something I can't it just continues to stand out to me in all this. Okay, definitions aside. September 12th, Executive Order on Advancing Biotechnology, 
biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. What's funny, again, is sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. Okay, so not sustainable, safe, and secure American lifestyle or, you know, whatever else, but just the bioeconomy. We're making fun of the word sustainable on the show this morning. That there in no way whatsoever is any of this about actual sustainability for the environment, for your life, for the world. It's about sustaining their control over all of you. That's ultimately the joke, but that they're lying about when they think, when, even the word green. We were talking about this morning as well, the idea of the sustainable development goals for 2030 or the ESG discussion that I told you the guys this on the show. That in the UK and the United States, they're already arguing that weapons, oil, gas, nuclear technology are all under the guy under the banner of actual ESG green technology. Because, well, we use those things to fight for good things that we can then push into. That's ridiculous. That is like the direct undermining of the entire point, which even people in their circles have pointed out. Doesn't matter though. Now it's a whole of government approach to advance biotechnology and biomanufacturing towards innovative solutions in health. So a whole of government approach, which by the way, could as easily, easily mean a world government approach, but just keeping this in the United States, whole of government approach to advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing, which again, includes you, towards innovative solutions in health, climate change, energy, food security, agriculture, supply chain resilience, and national and economic security. Look at that, just all in one. Somehow the advancement of biotechnology and biomanufacturing is going to solve all of our problems. What do you know? Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's just, it's just so ridiculous how it, this is so clearly, and by the way, on the record, what they've been saying we all need to do for none of these reasons, by the way, for plenty of different arguments, but here we are advancing it all to stop everything under the sun. The very things they're creating, one of which climate change is not even what they say it is. I'll show you that towards the end, but energy, food security, well, these things weren't problems until they destroyed everything. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. I've argued that we have infrastructure problems all over the place, but that's no fault of anyone's except the government. So same point as them neglecting the decrepit systems that they pretend to fund and then steal and obfuscate. And we've seen, I showed you this with the water infrastructure from New York to California, where they get billions every year and nothing ever changes. I mean, it's a complete scam. Bottom line, all of these things are being used because they've created the problems to destroy them and they're going to redesign them right now. And this executive order sets this table for the funding to come for all of this. Maintains that the United States technological leadership Okay, well, that's interesting. So it's about bettering the planet, right? Except we need to maintain our own control. <laughs> we'll only go along with the plan for everyone bettering in their lives if we're still in leadership. If we're still in control. You even get into the point where they argue they're like technological uh, rights. You know, so people are going to steal our ideas. It's like, well, are you sitting here saying this is the benefit of the world? That all of this and the Great Reset, except they aren't doing that. They're not talking about what that Great Reset is. It's all for the betterment of the world that we're going to get to a situation where it's a multipolar world. We're all talking, except they're like, no, no, we're going to be in control. Later, U.S. has to be in control. We need to retain our rights to our things. It just shows you that from like within, that's not even really what they're trying to do. And their own actions show you that. But it says the economic activity derived from biotechnology and biomanufacturing is referred to the bioeconomy. So the, the, there's an entire economy being built around these kind of concepts. And that all ties back into the same stuff, the carbon and the, and the way that they're carbon tax and the social credit system. But the, I also want to make the clear point that biomanufacturing and the bioeconomy includes you and your body. The COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated, they say, that the vital role of biotechnology and biomanufacturing is developing and producing life-saving diagnostic therapeutics and vaccines to protect the Americans in the world. So you see how this was supposed to come together. 
right? That's not true. We all know that's not true. We literally just went over how that's not true, but they just keep going because what else can they do? They have literally chosen to rest their entire agenda on the idea that we can still pretend they're safe and effective. And this proved that these things are life-saving and we need to keep going with that. Clearly, biotechnology has been proven out and our biomanufacturing because of these mRNA injections. That's the point. mRNA, spike protein, these, they're altering reality. They're altering life, manipulating life in many different ways, including their experimentation in your body. That's genetic manipulation that they just don't want to keep calling it, even though Merck admitted that's what this is. So because this thing failed miserably and is hurting people everywhere, we're going to keep going forward with that and build an entire manufacturing bio-industry and economy around this failing concept. I mean, how else do you look at that? The power of these technologies is most vivid. Now, I'm not even trying to argue, by the way, that these things might have not have some benefit to people if there was an honest direction being taken. I just think it's beyond belief that anybody would look at these people and what they've done and go, oh, I trust them to do the right thing. <clears throat> really? The power of these technologies is most vivid at the moment in the context of human health. Of course. that's The the World Economic Forum just put something out talking about how the new digital world is transforming health. Well, is that, what any, is that true? Or do they use the COVID idea, as they keep telling you, an opportunity to push in what they've already decided was going to happen that most people, especially Americans, were pretty apprehensive about? The whole digital direction and the whole implantable direction and the whole thing they keep telling you is the future. As Klaus Schwab says, we're in the fourth industrial revolution, and that includes implantables and microchips and brain implants. You know, good thing Musk has control of Twitter now, right? Where was it? Right here. I'll play this at the end. Elizabeth Health Health Nut News points out that there's microchips already being implanted in companies, employees in the United States. It's already happening. I mean, you could argue they want to do that, but either way you look at it, or here we go. That this is the direction that they told you was going to happen. And when in the beginning of COVID, we said this was something they were building towards, we were called crazy conspiracy theorists. And here we are. You know, we're still wrong, though, because that's not why it happened. <laughs> of course. Well, remember, we didn't claim why in the beginning. We just said this is a logical extension of what they said was coming. And you guys said, no, you're crazy. And then it happens. And you go, now we need that for our safety. And you're still crazy. Like, just like vaccine passports, right? Fake news until we need them. And you're bad for not saying the same. Mind, it's baffling how people can find themselves in those positions. But it says, oh, the power of these technologies is most vivid in the moment in the context of human health. Biotechnology and biomanufacturing can also be used to achieve our climate energy goals. What do you know? Improve food security and sustainability. Secure our supply chains and grow the economy across all of America. Well, the bioeconomy, of course, not your, the economy that you're used to. But the idea they're talking about here is how exactly does it reach our, our climate goals? How exactly does genetic manipulation, creating a bioeconomy, solve these problems? Well, because they argue, well, bioenergy, biomass, bio and we're going to burn these things and solve the problem. Well, that, that's a step, even if you think that's the right step, but it still needs adoption. People still need to use these things. We need to get rid. I mean, we're talking decades of transition here. And by the time that, I mean, we're going to go through different presidents and different administrations. I mean, this is a really ridiculous idea to say that this is just a, the one-stop shop and the direction is being cemented in right now. On top of the fact that I don't even believe that's what they're trying to accomplish. That's where my real point comes from. Energy goals, food infrastructure, food security, sustainability. None of these things I believe are even remotely connected to this. Do you know why? Because they've already proven out that genetically modified foods they've already pushed in have failed. That's the angle of this for food security and sustainability. Genetically modified. That's what they'll push even in this. Why do we keep letting this happen? 
Seriously. I mean, think about the fact that it's already proven out that Gates in multiple ways has proven to be wrong. They are more food for food insecure in these places than they were before that experiment was done. Just like with the COVID experiment, right? More people are ill and sick than they were before they rolled out the life-saving injection. What do you know? But it says uh, it's our supply chains and the economy. How exactly does genetic manipulation, biomanufacturing have anything to do with supply chains? I mean, it doesn't even matter, right? Who cares? I'm sure they could abstractly tell you some narrative that would lead to that. And it all makes sense because they want you to believe in it in their minds. The, for biotechnology and biomanufacturing to help us achieve our societal goals, the United States needs to invest in foundational scientific capability. There you go. We need your money. We need your money. We need to reimagine the world for the benefit of everybody. We're building a utopia. We'll just fail to get there, of course, while we build into your techno uh, <laughs> technocratic, panopti technocratic panopticon. Good God, why can't I say that today? I mean, that, that's what it seems like. They just want to sell you on this great flashy thing that doesn't even really make sense when you think it through. And that we just need your money to build it. Like they need to ask for your money anyway, first of all. But it says we need to develop genetic engineering. So the point would be this is just about getting you to go along with it in your mind. Manufacturing consent. We need to develop genetic engineering technologies. Why we still think this is something we should allow anywhere is beyond me. And techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells. As we talked about this, the one part on the show today on AM Wake Up. Circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. Well, what do you know? The conspiracy theory of the mRNA platform is fleshed out in a White House executive order. How is that possible? I thought that was fake news. Oops, not anymore. Now we're allowed to talk about it because they said they're doing it. You know what I mean? Like this is the, I'll bet you people on Twitter that haven't read this and just gleaned the things they, they saw on whatever CNN will still pretend that's fake news because they thought they were supposed to. The bottom line is this mRNA platform, the software and program idea, the whether analogy or real world stuff is right in front of you. Writing circuitry for cells and programming biology. We just talked about this the other day. I might even still have that up. Let me see. Yeah, right here. Radio genetics seeks to remotely control cells and genes. Now, this is why I played that clip in the beginning. As you, doctor, you have Dr. Cole telling you that this is basically turning your body into a factory producing spike proteins. Well, exactly. That's the point. And that's why I play this clip next, which maybe you didn't see in the beginning of the show, but I'll play right now. This is from pre-COVID. And you can see a Pfizer scientist in the background. This is Forbes doing a report on it where they're discussing based on what Pfizer told them what they're trying to accomplish. Hey, and then COVID happened. And then everyone forgot. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Yeah, that sounds great, right? I mean, clearly, it seems like that's what's already happened. This is why I believe we've been experimented on. There's a lot of things we should be asking, whether the self-spreading Omicron spike, pro, or rather, you know, whatever, maybe it is specific to Omicron since whatever happened in Botswana that nobody wants to rectify or discuss. But the idea of the self-spreading problem, we know the spike protein sheds, we know that it can be caught, we know that it back in itself can cause disease based on the Salk Institute and Dr. Warren, respectively. So isn't, is that not a self-spreading something? I mean, who, I mean, that's a hard conversation to get new people to understand because they think all of that sounds crazy, but it's been proven by even Twitter being forced to reinstate his account because he is the expert. But in any case, what they're talking about right there is exactly what all this is. 
turning your body into a, a factory. So they just get to basically prime it with what they want to. And they go, here, take the shot for this today. And it will turn your cell factory to produce the thing we want it to produce. That's genetic manipulation. That's what's happening with the spike protein. That's what they said they wanted to do before COVID. And what do you know? They all succeeded simultaneously. And that's what's happening right now. But they won't tell you that. Then we should ask whether this is happening. This is posted on December 4, 2014. They seek to remotely control cells and genes. I mean, I know this sounds crazy to some people, but there's an art, you know, the discussion that people have when they bring in the 5G conversation is what happens when they turn it on all of a sudden and everybody, right? I mean, who knows if that's true? Certainly something we should ask. I'm open to any possibility, no matter how crazy it may seem. I just need something to prove that other than just that, that it could work. You know, the idea that 5G technology does in fact have an effect on your body that was originally designed as a crowd control device that was used by the government. I mean, it's just all, not secret. You can look this stuff up. They haven't really tested this. So is it possible it could be used to trigger something that was been put? Of course, that's possible. So we should ask here, is this what's going to happen? Are they already seeded with these things? I mean, I'm just for fun going off on a tangent. That's why people would call me a conspiracy theorist because I'm willing to engage in possible theory, even though it seems abstract and conspiracy theory, conspiratorial. But back to the point is that this is exactly the problem is that we're in a situation where they're discussing rewriting circuitry for cells and predictably programming biology. So usually when they present you with these ideas, it's already happened, at least in some kind of experiment. So why is it so hard for people to wrap their minds around when they're literally writing in front of you right now? It says, unlock the power of biological data. Now, whose data? Yours. There's, I mean, at least somebody's. So this is, not, this is about the data and the biological information in you that's being used, manufactured, to create products and economy based on these things. Now, it doesn't just have to be you. There's, like we said, there's biomass, which I'll get into, and there's other parts of this. But a huge, and I think the central focus is what's inside your body. As Whitney said again, your body is the new battlefield. And it says as well, uh, it says in this interesting part, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence. Exactly. It all comes together and advance the science of scale up production while reducing the obstacles for commercialization, of course. So the, that innovative technologies and product can reach markets faster. Of course, because who cares about safety, right? Let's just get this thing done, right? That's where we are today, it seems. We must take concrete steps, they say, to reduce biological risks associated with advances in biotechnology. That's their lip service like we care about your rights while well, we take all your rights away but we care about them we'll take steps to reduce them and then completely ignore those steps when it's in our best interest it says ensure that biotechnology is developed and deployed in ways that align with the united states principles of course principles and values and international best practices that's an interesting overlap first of all that the united states government has principles and values has been constantly put on display as not even in reality Nothing means anything to these people. They will break and decide and step over and ignore any rule agreement deal they've ever made in, in the interest of their agenda. Now, most governments are like that. But in this case, we're just talking about the United States. We're really going to pretend their principles and values are guiding what's happening right now. On top of that, it says international best practices. That's interesting. So ensure that it's deployed in a way that maintains these. So it seems to suggest, and there's more points to this, that they are going to see themselves as the policemen of the world in regard to who gets to do what in this field. Make sure that international best practices are in effect. Still, to see the point is they still are, and this speaks to Putin's point right there, that they are trying to cement themselves as maintaining that control that is clearly going away. And we've even discussed this as kind of a design to diminish the world power of the United States and, you know, British or in China, Russia, some other power that's still controlled by the outer forces. I mean, that's how you have to look at it in regard to the Great Reset. 
or it could go some other direction, but it says, and not in ways that lead to accidental or deliberate harm to people, animals, or the environment, you know, like Fort Dietrich has done hundreds of times as they've admitted, but you know, nobody else can do it though. Or as you could argue potentially happened in Wuhan, if you believe that's how that went down, there's plenty of evidence to suggest this came from this country and went over there to the world military games or that it was released on purpose. I mean, there's plenty of theories. That's what they are. But make sure that nobody else does those things. There's even been examples of people walking out of Fort Dietrich with something on their shoe. I mean, it's just, you know, these people are the last people that should be setting tones I mean, look at what just happened with the FDA, right? No testing, but we'll push it out anyway. But it says we must safeguard the United States bioeconomy as foreign adversaries and strategic competitors alike use legal and illegal means to acquire U.S. technology and data, including biological data and proprietary or pre-competitive information, which threatens U.S. economic competitiveness and national security. Of course, they throw in national security because they want it to be in everybody's interest. The point is what they're saying is that we need to protect our research our work because it's ours right is is this not argue their argument for the best interest of the world it's all about creating a sustainable equitable world where we all agree that except our stuff it's ours we need to maintain control of it just you know it's like my ball it's kind of you get the selfishness in there that it's all really about their control over everything we must also ensure the that uses of biotechnology and biomanufacturing are ethical and responsible of course because we clearly can see that they care so much about what's ethical and responsible, as I'll get to in a minute. They've argued many times under the guise of ethics that they should just force it on everybody because we're too dumb to know better. And that's ethical to them. So it really comes down to what they think is ethical or what they whether they care about ethics in any case. But as long as they claim we're going to write down that we'll 101-3 that we're going to make sure that these are responsible and ethical. Well, they wrote it there, so you have to pretend that's what's happening, don't you? I mean, historic history shows you they don't care about that in any sense. They just care about making you think they care. This is centered on a foundation of equity and public good, of course, consistent with Executive Order 13985, which, you know, it, it means nothing. These are just, the point is about selling you on the idea that this is in everyone's best interest. Advan- and it says, which is interesting, consistent with the Executive Order, advancing racial equity and support for undeserved communities through the federal government, consistent with respect for human rights, what does that have to do with anything, right? So if this is about equity and, and sustain, like for, you know, an equal setting for everybody, except we're going to focus more on these communities. It says resources should be invested justly and equitably, right? We should invest these equally amongst everybody, but that benefit all, well, I'm screwing it up. Point is, it says invest justly and equitably, benefit all Americans, comma, especially those in undeserved communities. How do you even make that sentence make sense? It needs to equally benefit everybody, but especially them. Now, I'm not saying that there's not an argument to be made about how specific communities or countries there, for that matter, are, you know, given the scraps as opposed to allowed to be at the table. If you'd even want to be at this table, but it doesn't make sense. The point is that we're going to focus on, and they'll get into it later down here, black colleges and specifically certain underserved communities. And that's where they get all the benefits first. Now, for, fine, even if you agree with that, you can't then say it's equitable because that's not equitable. That's specifically, it's, it's not. It's unequal. But the point is, they're going to push this idea as the reason we need to change everything because we're living in a world right now that's not, which I don't disagree with. The point is, they'll never build a world that is not having the, they'll be the, the people that are above and you'll be the below. It's never equitable. That's just the way the reality of the world. There will always be somebody who wants to take advantage of a situation. It says, in order to further, uh, to further societal goals, This is the manipulation I think is the most important. They're arguing that all of this is what society wants. 
Is that true? Do you want this? Does, does the average person want this? I mean, truly, you have to argue we don't really know. I would argue from my experience, it seems pretty clear that most people are either unaware or concerned about this. But what is societal goals? Oh, well, that's what the, your betters have decided. The World Economic Forum and the UN and their little think tanks, well, they've got together and agreed, that, oh, well, we're all on the same page. So that's what society wants because we're the ones that know that. We don't, society does not want these things. We're scared of these things, especially after what just happened. That's why they're rushing this in. Foster a biological data ecosystem. That's pretty clear. And that advances biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation. So a, an ecosystem of biological data. That is your DNA, your blood. I mean, that's what that stuff is talking about. While adhering to principles of security, privacy, and responsible conduct research, of course. Because when we say your privacy, we've always maintained that, haven't we? Except when they broke it there and lied about it over here and let that sold to that company over there. But they swear this time. We promise it'll be private. Except right there. Yeah, you know, as, as always, there'll be a reason and an asterisk. Okay, well, oops, they hacked us and now it's out there. The bottom line is this is never going to be that way. These people have proven that they are not trustworthy. This is about using your data to progress whatever weird experimentation and direction they're trying to take, even if they want to pretend that's from some greater good. Adhering to what they claim is security for them, privacy, probably of their agenda, responsible conduct of research, really? Like Wuhan, like anything else that's still going on right now, whether you call it gain of function or EPPP, that's still happening. That's not responsible even remotely. That is dangerous, as plenty of people have come to realize. And not for anybody's benefit other than themselves. Also, that people have come to realize. Improve and expand domestic biomanufacturing production capacity and processes. Biomanufacturing. So domestic. That means the, the manufacturing of the biological systems, or rather the man, the use of the biological systems to buy to in the context of biomanufacturing that's still the same point the biological data ecosystem is what they're pointing at so what does that really mean i mean truly i don't even know the full breadth of what this is describing but it's concerning as hell to me that we're literally outlining at least in part that you guys that our bodies our internal material is part of this ecosystem that scares the crap out of me guys to be quite honest because this is more on the surface than i thought this would be it says improve and expand domestic biomanufacturing production. Now, yes, it could be producing plenty of other things, but I want us to remember that includes you. Boost sustainable biomass production and create climate smart incentives for American agriculture producers and forest landowners. Great. So that's where it starts. Don't forget. We're going to incentivize you, right? You get extra things if you do these things we want you to do that go against your best interest, of course, like we're seeing in Dutch farmers anywhere else. But then, of course, once they don't do that, because most of them won't, they go, well, you lose if you don't do this. Then it becomes, you have to because you're killing grandma or whatever. And that's what that, the incentives for American, this is crazy. Why do they need to, why does the government have any say over what any of these growing, specifically the organic and smaller farms, have to do? It's private property, right? Because they've created a world where they are now able, in their minds, to step over these things and say, this is for everyone's best interest. For 2030 or whatever. And blame Putin, of course. Train and support. Oh, well, the one thing was the biomass. Let's just point at that real quick. We haven't even gotten to the other part, I don't think. I don't think so. I, I'll come back to it if we didn't. The biological systems part. But Biomass. This says biomass can also be can help us sustainably produce electricity. 
right? And that's the main part of this, the bioenergy, biomass energy. But it says, but it says here, and, and in many other places you can find this, biomass is also uniquely a source of human food and animal feed. Now, that doesn't have to be concerning. Maybe that's just a weird connection, tangential. But there's a lot of these previous discussions about, like, you know, food deliveries, food pellets, or things like that when these situations present themselves. Because, I don't know, the population's out of control and we can't feed ourselves, whatever their narratives are. And that's been put forward. That's been posited more than once. So it's weird that they are transitioning away from these systems that produce, you know, organically grown meat and food and whatever else to say, well, we're going to produce biomass, which partly does include the idea for human food. Here is the, the, the look of these things, at least in the wood pellet concepts. And this is part of the energy idea, but just gives you a good idea of what we're talking about. But it says a plant based material used as fuel to produce heat or electricity. Now it says, uh, where was it? Biomass can be used as fuel directly. Some people use words biomass and biofuel interchangeably. Others, uh, where was it? I, I swear I had this highlighted. Oh, wait, maybe it's... Or maybe not. I think I need to close the other one since I had this one. In any case, there's plenty of examples you can find where they make the, the, the point that you don't find anywhere in this document that biomass also does include a source of human food. Just something to think about. Back to this boost sustainable biomass production, climate smart incentives, train and support a diverse, skilled workforce and a next generation of leaders from diverse groups because that always matters when you're talking about skilled employees, right? They're skilled, but make sure they're different colors, right? To to do the skilled jobs because that matters for skilled positions. I mean, this is just virtue signaling. Now, of course, it matters if there are entities out there that are ignoring the better skilled worker because of their ethnicity. Well, of course that matters. But does it matter to make sure that they're all multicolored at the expense of who's most skilled? I mean, there's a lot of examples out there. I think we were just looking at one. I mean, it's pretty obvious that's what's happening, at least in this administration. But it says to advance biotechnology and biomanufacturing, right? Because diverse groups are all about advancing biotechnology, right? I mean, these two don't think those two things don't make sense together, except the fact that it's for them, it's everything all over the place. And I, I argue that them as the government, because it's an agenda, clarify and streamline regulations in service of, of a science and risk-based, predictable, efficient, and transparent system to support the safe use of products of biotechnology. Right. Because the word streamline obviously sounds like safe and effective, right? Let's rush through this. Let's make sure it's as fast as possible to make sure it's safe and effective. Dangerous things for your safety. It's all over the place. Now, yes, you could use streamline in a different way. There's other examples in this discussion of how they're talking about making it faster. So it's not just my take on it. They make it clear other places in this that it's about getting, you know, we need to get this done quickly for the benefit of everybody. Well, they don't seem to care as much about safety anymore. Secure and protect the United States bioeconomy by partnering with the private sector. So now they're securing the economy. They're building based off of you and working with the private. This is one gigantic public-private partnership. Everything, the country, and other relevant stakeholders, not you, understand, to jointly mitigate risks to protect technology leadership and economic competitiveness. None of that has to do with you. Stakeholders are people like we're talking about in the world, the global stakeholders. You don't have any stake in what they're doing. They've made that very clear. I'm not even, that's not my opinion. They, the global stakeholders are the business, you know, the heads of industry and the political leaders, and that's what they're talking about. And why do they want to do that? To mitigate risks, to protect the leadership. Not you, not your safety, not your life, not the economy, but them and their competitiveness of that economy. To engage, this is secure to protect the United States bioeconomy by engaging the international community 
to enhance biotechnology R&D cooperation in a way that is consistent with U.S. principles and values. So again, you see the idea that there are clearly putting forward the idea that they're going to be kind of policing those what they see as their projected principles and values, but of course, only on the bad guys. Right. We can't allow the bad guy countries over there to do things we don't agree with. And if we do, then we're going to argue we have a op we have a, a, a um, obligation to do something about it. That's where this always leads to. And that makes it much more clear in a moment. The Secretary of Health and Human Services. A scary outlet, <laughs> always a concern, especially from coming from Cadillac and the previous manipulations of that position. But it says support a and he was the a, the assistant secretary of preparedness and response. Submit a report assessing how to use biotechnology and biomanufacturing to achieve medical breakthroughs, reduce the overall burden of disease and improve health outcomes. Right, so they're talking about the thing we're, we're, we're living through right now as the model to which leads us into this new biomanufacturing world. And they're acting like, I mean, this is kind of the idea of what I think they're using the previous, what they just caused to justify why they need to build this out better. Because, you know, Trump's vaccine clearly hurt a lot of people as they're going to slowly kind of push into your face and say, well, here's how we make it better. Always. It says the Secretary of Energy shall submit a report assessing how to use biotechnology, biomanufacturing, bioenergy, and bio-based products to address the causes and, and adapt, adapt and to mitigate the impacts of climate change. Okay. And including by sequestering carbon and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Can somebody explain to me how the biotechnology, biomanufacturing, other than the bioenergy part, plays into that at all? Maybe I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something. But either way, do we really believe this is about stopping the illusion that the climate change truly is? The idea that we're in some way creating the carbon footprints that cause this problem, which I don't believe for a second, I think is wildly politicized. And I, I'll go again, I'll touch on that briefly at the end. I, I reached out to Corbett after our last interview. Maybe next month we're going to have him on to discuss kind of the climate change illusion that is that is everywhere. But it's interesting to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, carbon, the very things they're going to use in this new this new economy to control your life. That's where the social credit aspect comes in. The Secretary of Agriculture shall submit a report assessing how to use biotechnology, biomanufacturing for food and agriculture innovation. Like what every single aspect of your entire government is now redirecting itself. Why exactly? Because they have created what they think is the justification to do this. Submit a report assessing how to use these things for food and agriculture innovation, including by improving sustainability and the land conservation which of course the government cares nothing about, as we've seen by the BLM burning. I mean, there's like many examples. Increasing food quality and nutrition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen where that's going. Increasing and protecting agricultural yields. Protecting, I mean, think about that argument. So they're going to force you into a biotechnology direction where they're going to manufacture all sorts of frankenfoods for the idea of protecting yields while they're right now destroying organic, far organic farms across the world. That seems honest. Protecting against plant and animal pests and diseases and cultivating alternative food sources. Look at that. Now, maybe that would mean the bug discussion, or maybe that means biomass. Maybe that means mass-produced pellet-type food that can be given to people in an emergency, of course. It's not that far-fetched when you really think about it. There's been books written about this stuff, but on top of that, pests and diseases. Well, how do they do that? Of course, by manufacturing GMO mosquitoes and everything else. That's exactly the problem. All of this is the problem. Every direction they're leading you in has already been shown in many ways to not work and be dangerous. Or at the very least, they're just testing it out on you now. The Secretary of Commerce 
shall submit a report assessing how to use biotechnology and biomanufacturing to strengthen the resilience of the United States supply chains. I mean, you could argue of all these things, the supply chains were not really having a problem until they created a problem. Doesn't mean they couldn't have been improved, but I don't understand how biotechnology has anything to do with supply chains unless you change what is being supplied. And there's the, there's the catch. But it says each report specified in subsection A of this section shall identify opportunities, of course, for public-private collaboration. Each report. That means literally every one of these, HHS, health, the, the Energy Department, the food, all of them, now have to make their own report and identify opportunities where they can collaborate with private organizations. Yeah, fascism. We're literally outlining how we can overlap with the entities of large corporations with the government so they can better your life. Because surely that's worked out in history, right? Within 100 days, develop a plan, implementation plan, to implement the recommendations in this report. So that's how fast this is going to happen. 100 days from now, they need to have plans ready for how they're going to roll this out. Because we all want this, right? We vote for this. Input from external experts regarding potential ethical implications or other societal impacts. And this is where they do the whole thing where they go, yeah, send in your information and we'll look it over as they've already made their plan and it's already being implemented. Right now, it's already happening. That's what you're seeing. It's already being controlled and started. But go ahead and let us know what you think so we can pretend to care about that. Environmental stability, sustainability, excuse me, and environmental justice. Within two years of the date of this order, they shall report on measures, all of them, all the groups they mentioned, uh, on measures taken and resources allocated to enhance biotechnology, biomanufacturing, consistent with the implementation plan described. So two years from now, this is already done, and they just need to be producing reports on how this is going, how the resources have been allocated to enhance these things. I mean, I just, it blows me away that this is set to be done before Biden's even out of office. Now, it says, in order to facilitate development of the United States bioeconomy, he says, my administration shall establish a data for the bioeconomy initiative, data initiative. That's what it's called, the data for the bioeconomy initiative that will ensure that high quality, wide-ranging, easily accessible, and secure biological data sets can drive breakthroughs for the United States bioeconomy and assist with the development of the data initiative. So what are we talking about right there? So the data for the bioeconomy, what data? Remember, your data, your body. And it's what his point is that we will ensure that high-quality, wide-ranging, easily accessible, and secure biological data can set these breakthroughs. That's the point. Where, where exactly is that coming from? And so he's setting out an entire plan for this that includes, and note that they don't really get into this part of it, to assist in the development of that initiative. It says, shall issue a report within 240 days of the date of this order that, one, identifies the data types and sources to include, this is very clear, genomic and multiomic information. We just pointed at this. There's no misunderstanding what that is. For those that don't know, genomics definition is relating to the haploid set of chromosomes in the gamete or microorganism or the complete set of genes in a cell organism. What do you think we're talking about here? Obviously, this is about your human problems, not the animal or cow or the pig. They're talking about your genetic genomic information and how that is part of the bioeconomic ecosystem or rather the economy that they're building. And what does that really mean? They're farming in for the data. I mean, wow, this is a very alarming outline of something that's very poorly defined when you really understand what they're getting at here. Or was I? Now it says, yeah, again, it says identifies the data types and sources to include genomic and multiomic information that are most critical 
to drive advances in health, climate, energy, food, agriculture. They just lump all this in there. And of course, biomanufacturing, that's using the biological systems. Now, I hope I didn't miss that. I don't think so. I'll just keep going. If I did, I'll go back to it. That's an important part for me, the biological systems or biological systems. But it says, as well as other bioeconomy related R&D, along with any data gaps. So climate, food, energy, and agriculture. How does your genomic information help climate change? How does your personal genomic information help the energy crisis? I mean, I'm sure they've got some kind of narrative, but it doesn't really make sense to me. Sets forth a plan to fill any data gaps and make new and existing public data findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable in ways that are equitable, standardized, secure, and transparent, and that are integrated with platforms that enable the use of advanced computing tools, identifies security, privacy, and other risks. Of course, they always include that. Outlines the federal resources, legal authorities, and actions needed to support the data initiative, which we just discussed of your genomic data and other things, and achieve our goals outlined in this subsection with a timeline for action. The Secretary of Homeland Security shall identify and recommend relevant cybersecurity best practices for biological data right there and stored on federal government information systems. So now the, the idea that oh, we're worried about people hacking your information, which just opens the idea that it's not completely secure always, especially when they pretend it was hacked and do what they want anyway, building a vibrant domestic biomanufacturing ecosystem. This concerns me. It says, it, it says, within 180 days of this order, all the groups we referenced shall develop a strategy that identifies policy recommendations to expand domestic biomanufacturing capacity for products spanning the health, energy, agriculture, industrial sectors with a focus on advancing equity-improving biomanufacturing processes and connecting relevant infrastructure. Additionally, this strategy shall identify actions to mitigate risks posed by foreign adversary involvement in the biomanufacturing supply chain and to enhance biosafety, biosecurity, and cybersecurity in a new and existing infrastructure. Well, there you go. Building out the entirely new system. And of course, we still got the bad guy, bad guys over there trying to steal things, which opens the door to the idea that they could hack and do this and create a bad thing, or the U.S. government does what they do and blames whoever they want to blame, as we've seen historically over and over and over. But it's the same setup all over again. Now we're in the, now it's the war on terror, but the biosecurity state. You still got the evil foreign adversaries out there trying to do bad things, which is not necessarily not true. There's always people out there trying to take advantage, but guess who's one of them? Your government. Now it says the Department of Defense shall incentivize the expansion of domestic, flexible, industrial biomanufacturing capacity for a wide range of materials that can be used to make diversity, a diversity of products for the defense supply chain. Why the Department of Defense is even remotely involved in this is because we're talking about bio-defense. We're talking about biological weapons. We're talking about like the same reason we point out that these injections are really biowarfare programs. That's what they're talking about. Same point. They're using your body, your genetic material to drive forward their experimentation. Let me see. I, just, I feel like I want to stop here and find that real quick. Hold on. Department of Defense shall. Hold on. Oh, it's biological. Systems. One, two, let's see. 
Oh, maybe it is just all the way at the end. See, I always can, I always screw myself up when I shouldn't. <laughs> all right, let's see. Where was I? We got a lot more to go over. Here we go. So it says the Department of Defense shall incentivize the expansion of domestic flexible industrial biomanufacturing bio capacity for a wide range of materials that we can use to make these different diverse products for a defense supply chain. Because we all care so much about the defense supply chain, right? The shipping and selling of weapons to bad people around the world. Within one year of the date of this order, the, secure, the Secretary of Agriculture shall submit a plan to the president to support the resilience of the United States biomass supply chain for domestic biomanufacturing and bio-based product manufacturing, while also advancing food security, environmental sustainability, and the needs of undeserved communities. Of course include programs to encourage climate smart production and the use of domestic biomass. So on that end, it would be the energy part of it, but it's interesting. This all, so who, why are these communities on, 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 uh, underserved, excuse me. I didn't, I didn't mean it, it underserves what it says. Why? Well, because of the government. So it's not like any, it's not like we, as the American people were like, screw those communities. These are the government actions that have created the problem. They're now using to argue these people should be given these things first, probably a test in, their, in my mind. Now, since it's at the end and I was talking about it, let me make this clear. So what they're talking about in the use of these biomanufacturing entities, or rather the economy of bio industry, they're talking about using biological systems in the production of the biomanufacturing. Now, here's one example. A biological system, sometimes simply referred to as a system, is a group of entities or organs that work together to carry out a particular task. It is a biological unit of the body or of an organism. So there's no real misunderstanding this. When they're talking about using biological systems to, to, to create the biomanufacturing economy, they're talking about biological entities. That's you. It could be plants. It could be animals. But part of it, un beyond a doubt, is you for the whole direction of the body and the mRNA and the DNA and everything. They've all. That's the focus of all of this. So they're literally talking about using your genetic material as the base for their new economy. One particular example, of course, is the cardiovascular system. I just think that's first one they point out. It doesn't mean it's relevant, but it's interesting to see that's a problem everywhere. But here's another example. A biological system is a complex network which connects several biologically relevant entities. Examples of biological systems at the macro scale are populations of organisms. On the organ and tissue scale, like your body, in mammals and other, mam other animals, examples include the circulatory system. So however you spin this, we're talking about life. We're using life as the economy. Come on. This is next level alarming. Now, it's a, and then the biomass part of it as food is kind of an interesting thing is using our own waste to be fed back if that's part of it, but the energy seems to be where they focus on this. But biomass clearly does also mean food. Enhance coordination with industry on threat information sharing. Of course, the overlapping sh the threat sharing information, like we see with the you know FBI and these different groups, and they remove the barriers, they can share information. It's just now it's just a worldwide kind of concept when we're talking about using international infrastructure and the whole problem. Vulnerability disclosure and risk mitigation for cybersecurity infrastructure risk to the United States bioeconomy, including risk to biological data and related physical and digital infrastructure and devices. Right, we're only concerned about losing control of that, not whether it actually overlaps with your personal problems, ethics, and your body, and the, the legal barriers there. Of course not. The United States government shall expand training and education opportunities for all Americans in biotechnology and biomanufacturing. 
Right. Because this is not some, you know, slow transition. This is like tomorrow we're going to turn in this direction and you all have to do it anyway. So we're just going to open up all sorts of funding and training. So everybody feels this is the new direction. This is coaxing you into this direction. I just don't, this is not voted on. This is just a decision that was made, but beyond a doubt was influenced by outside forces, literally outside this country. That's not even, that's not even secret. Think tanks and groups, World Economic Forum, you know, the idea that this is the new direction for 2030 and the whole damn thing and saying we have to do this for the benefit of everybody. So they're going to say tomorrow we're going to shift. That's what this is in part. And we're going to just train everybody for the new thing, right? Learn to code, right? Now it says this plan shall also include a focused discussion of historically black colleges and universities. So explain that to me tribal colleges and universities, minority serving institutions, and the extent to which agencies can use existing statutory authorities to promote racial and gender equity and support underserved communities consistent with the policy established in Executive Order 13985. Right. Because we know it's important to deal with historically black colleges in the interest of bioeconomies and biotechnology. Are specifically black people more interested, have more background? have more genetic material. I mean, there's nothing about that that makes sense other than virtue signaling that we're good people because we're making sure black people get the first opportunity. Well, isn't that insulting? As a black person, do you feel you need special treatment? I mean, this is in in and of itself, these actions are always, to me, racist. You are suggesting that these people are lesser than, and that's why you need to help them. Now, I'm not diminishing the idea that historically, right up to this very day, there's racist aspects of, I mean, everything in the world. That's, I'm not saying it's okay. But that is the way, that's the way things are. By overcompensating to one direction, it's the same as, it's the same thing as like uh, uh, um, the, the gender idea in the beginning and now oh, women need to be paid more. Well, that's not the solution. That's the same problem in reverse. This is not, and that's in and of itself a conversation, but then why it's being shoehorned into this conversation is just dumb. And it should be insulting to people. Now, I'm sure somebody out there will call what I just said racist. I don't know how you spin that, but in any case, Going forward, it says, reducing risk by advancing biosafety and biosecurity. Right. It's like saying reducing risk by doing dangerous experimentation. (laughs) It makes perfect sense. The United States government shall launch a biosafety and biosecurity innovation initiative. Right. So the same people that are doing dangerous experimentation and claiming it's for your benefit are going to collect every so often and go, are we still going to do that? Yeah, we're still going to do this. Okay, we're good. (laughs) Which shall seek to reduce biological risks associated with advances in biotechnology, biomanufacturing, bioeconomy. You know, like they claimed they were doing with gain-of-function research and, you know, everything else that they later went, oops, we made mistakes. Even though there was no mistakes made, they made deliberate actions and covered it up by malfeasance. However you want to look, or rather by ignorance, they'd always be rather seen as incompetent than criminal. So that's what these things are. Not my opinion. Historically accurate. Maybe they've changed their ways. I, I am jaded. I don't believe that's the case. Established by the secretary of the HHS, because, you know, they're honest. Use federal investments in biotechnology and biomanufacturing to incentivize and enhance biosafety and biosecurity practices and best practices throughout the United States and international research enterprises. Again, the international overlap there, which I don't know why they think they have influence over that. But find federal investments, so your money from your pocket, in these technology, in these aspects, they're going to use them in these aspects, which you didn't vote for, to incentivize and enhance or rather what, they would, what they're arguing is to use that money to drive people into these fields while claiming what we're doing is incentivizing what we think is the right direction and then calling that safety and security and best practices because it's what we want done, so we're going to incentivize that. Again, call me jaded, 
Historically speaking, this is what it always turns out to be. Measuring the bioeconomy within 90 days of the date of this order, the Secretary of Commerce, through the director of NIST, of course, a very trustworthy organization, shall, in consultation with other agencies, as determined by the director, of course, industry, and other stakeholders that you don't get to be talked about, you know, the powerful people that are driving all of this, as appropriate, so again, just, I guess, sometimes, create and make publicly available a lexicon for the bioeconomy, with consideration of relevant domestic and international definitions, whatever that means, and with the goal of assisting in the development of measurements and measurement methods for the bioeconomy that support uses such as economic measurement, risk assessment, and the application of machine learning and other artificial intelligence, which is the whole point. Right, so we're going to roll out all of the guidelines for how we're going to let artificial intelligence decide what's right for us. Going forward, it says, assisting threats to the United States bioeconomy. Assessing, excuse me. The national, uh, the DNI, Director of National Intelligence shall lead a comprehensive interagency assessment of ongoing, emerging, and future threats to the United States national security from foreign adversaries against the bioeconomy. So now, you know, now it's the same idea. They're a threat to our bioeconomy and from foreign adversary development and application of biotechnology and biomanufacturing, including acquisition of United States capabilities, technologies, and biological data. So again, the threat they're arguing is from dangerous boogeyman out there that probably exists to some degree that are willing to come in here and do things dangerously to take advantage of the things the U.S. has. Now, that potentially could be real. What is no, be, no question real and far more dangerous is what they're doing right here. The development of this stuff and how they don't know what it will do. I mean, you could literally have a species-ending action take place, which they've shown they do and experiment with and have no real effort. I mean, historically speaking, it's happened more than once, not species-ending, but dramatic problems that they later, later acted like we correct by, you know, apologizing when nothing else happens. That's what this could lead to. Massive, un irre irrevocable changes. I didn't say un irrevocable <laughs> changes. And yet all they're going to point at is that bad guys may try to take it. And so we're going to, that's our protection. The DNI, the DNI shall work closely with the Department of Defense to assess technical applications of biotechnology, biomanufacturing that could be misused by foreign adversaries for military purposes. Okay, you know how you should translate that? You all know. If it's capable of being misused by other people, so too is it by the Department of Defense. And I can guarantee they'll find an opportunity to do so and argue it's under a guise of fighting for freedom, therefore they're not doing that. Over and over and over. I don't know why people keep falling for this stuff. In support, or oh, that goes on to say, uh, or that could otherwise pose a risk to the United States. That, of course, that caveat means anything they want it to mean. In support of these objectives, the DNI shall identify elements of the bioeconomy of highest concern and establish processes to start ongoing threat identification and impact assessments. So, you know, outlining the bad guy, bad guys, right? The, the Irans and the Russias are out there actively trying to do this right now is what they're going to say the moment they get the opportunity. And maybe it's true. They never prove this stuff. But the real point is that they're talking about you, the, the bio uh, defense industry, you know, covered by the idea of a vaccine program. And they'll mention it in a moment. DNI shall provide classified assessments. Of course, you don't get to see those. They're going to give you an assessment, but then they're going to privately share with the government what they found. And you don't get to know, even though it's for the state, the United States threats against the bioeconomy that they claiming are yours in a sustainable, equitable world. The United States government con contracts with a variety of providers to support its functioning including by contracting for services related to the bioeconomy. It is important 
these contracts are awarded according to full and open competition as consistent with the competition in contracting act of 1984 of no other no of none other or, uh, of 1984 of all dates now of course what we know is that historically they've never been the kind of revolving door uh incestuous relationship what's the term um where you I know that I'm blanking on the term where, you know, where people give their promotions to their family. Nepotism. Of course, they've never done that before, right? We know they don't. Well, of course, because the act is there. Of course, competition and contracting act is there. Therefore, no government ever or no government entity in the, in the United States ever breaks that rule, right? Of course, we never see them giving prime contracts to the people within their circles or to the lobbyists that gave them lots of money for their contract. No, that never happens. It's only about what's best for everybody, right? Do, does anybody live in that fantasy world? This kindergarten level clownish representation of what they, what they pretend. We're all doing good things for good people all over the place. I would love it if that was the world. There's a lot of good people doing good things, but these groups are not them. And the point is that they're just simply going to say, well, of course, we're going to give contracts to the good, the right people. They're going to give contracts to the very people they've always been working with, the people that are willing to do the same things under the same guises and lie to you about it. You know, the same things they're still doing in China right now, despite the claim that bad guy China, Trump stopping the one place, they're still going. Fauci included. Enable due diligence review of conflicts of interest. Like that is the dumbest thing in this whole discussion. You know, the same people that argue that conflict of interest are inevitable because there's such a limited base of quality people for the CDC, the FDA, or whatever groups they're filling. We talked about this in the beginning of COVID. Except the problem is that's not true. And they've been entire scathing reports showing you how they overlook these hugely, wildly more qualified people because these people have the right conflicts of interest. You know, Pfizer and so on. But in this case, well, we're going to do a special review to make sure that we only get the conflicts of interest that we want, the conflicts of commitment that we want, foreign ownership of control, or control right? They can't have that except where they want it, except when they work with groups like China or elsewhere or influence, except for places that they want it. I mean, it's such a dishonest statement or other potential national security concerns, which that's there just for whatever they want to use. National security is a catch all for anything they want to use, including other places that have nothing to do with our national security. The Department of State, it says, and other agencies that engage with international partners as part of their missions shall undertake the following actions with foreign partners as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. Of course, of course, because they never break the law when they're dealing with foreign partners, right? With a specific focus on developing countries, international organizations, and non-governmental entities to promote and protect both the United States and global bioeconomies. Great. So NGOs, international organizations, the World Economic Forum, the, the, their own non-governmental, actually very clearly governmental entities like, like the... Um, USAID and whatever else, developing countries, they're talking about using their entities to force this in. And basically, as it says, the Department of State, which I don't know, again, why that is involved in what we're talking about, to engage with international partners. I, this is, in my opinion, when they're talking about developing countries, is strong-arming entities into this being their direction too, and protecting and promoting the United States first and foremost, and then the global bioeconomies that are also the real point. The global bioeconomies. Enhanced cooperation, including joint research projects and, and, and expert in exchanges on biotechnology R&D, especially in genomics. Don't miss that. That's important. Genomics, you, your genetic material. Encourage regulatory cooperation and the adoption of best practices to evaluate and promote innovative products. 
So I kind of see that as being our things are good, theirs are bad, right? Best practices, the innovative products we're creating, even though the other countries are going to call them a secret, uh, a cover for bio defense programs, which is usually what they are. They're good things for us. But when they make something, even if it actually is just in their best, it's going, oh, it's a dangerous weapon. My point, I think all of them are doing this in the same direction, but it's only good when the U.S. does it or the UK does it, or their people do it. With an emphasis on those practices and products that support sustainability and climate objectives. Of course, right? It's not about what's actually best for people or what's going to improve their health if it does not go along with their sustainability argument or their climate objectives. Does that make sense? That's one small part of what this is about. I mean, they, of course, they would argue that that the climate objectives are the most important problem. Okay, but then why are you pushing in this agenda that only is like a tangential argument for how it even affects climate change, especially when you're talking about biomass energy that will take a long time to implement in, for the most part or you know, changing people's directions? It just doesn't make sense. That, that is the 2030 direction. That's what all this is about. And that leads directly into the Great Reset. Work to promote the open sharing of scientific data, including genetic sequence data, of course. Do we really believe the U.S. government's going to do that in return? Is it going to be reciprocal? Well, no, they're talking about the open sharing of your genetic data. You know, the very thing they've acted like they weren't really stealing until they admitted they were and it was being sold and used. Testing and so on. Israel got caught doing the same thing. But now they're just kind of out saying, yeah, it's for, it's for bet, it's for altruistic reasons, right? We're all going to agree. We're all on the same page. Let's just include, let's openly share our genetic data, except you're going to do it. We're not <laughs> to the greatest extent possible in accordance with applicable law and policy. Of course, genetic sequence data. That's pretty obvious, guys. They're looking for your information, everybody's information. And that will be the basis as the bio, the biological systems, which build the biological manufacturing as the basis for this entirely new bioeconomy. Now, I believe that's the basis entirely. But of course, they'll include things like plants and animals and different stuff too. But I believe it's about you and your body. Conduct, uh, conduct horizon scanning to anticipate threats to the global biosecurity. Right, so when we've, we've jumped past whether this is even a potential threat to you. And we're just on the guard already for other threats to stopping this from happening. Right? It's like the boosters all, or excuse me, the, the new Omicron variant shots all over again. Are we worried about how this could be potentially dangerous or abused? Of course not, because they're good guys, right? But we're already putting up sentries to stop the global the threats from stopping us from doing this, including you. You're a part of those problems if you choose to push against this, including national security threats from foreign adversaries, you know, or vanilla ISIS or the internal domestic terrors they're pointing at, right? That all that's without saying that you if you're a threat to their bioeconomy that's being built, then you're a threat. Acquiring sensitive technologies or data. We can't let the foreign bad guys do the same thing because it's bad when they do it or disrupting essential bio-related supply chains. That seems incredible. So the supply chains are going to be the bio-related supply chains like shipping and remo- and genetic material. And I mean, this is not what we're talking about in the minds of the average American. And to identify opportunities to address those threats. Engage allies and partners to address shared national security threats. There's your kind of NATO overlap where you know, we're all going to collect and say that guy doesn't do the right stuff. And that's just because they have an agenda to stop them or you know, whatever. Historically, we continue to see this. Develop and work to promote and implement biosafety and biosecurity best practices, tools, and resources bilaterally and multilaterally to facilitate appropriate oversight for life sciences, dual use research of concern. You remember what that is, right? The bio warfare. 
the idea of, oh, well, it could be used for a weapon, but we're not because we care. We're using it for vaccines, even though that's not even true. There's no point in making something that nobody else has made and nobody knows you've made it and make a vaccine for it for the slim one in a billion chance that somebody on the other side of the world with far less resources would make the same thing. And then you just so happen to have a vaccine for it. That's how stupid that is. They are making weapons and then maybe making vaccines for it, probably. If that's even on the table, that's dual use. That's not it's it's not. This is a manipulation. So what they're saying is develop and implement practices for doing the same things we're doing now that were moments ago called out by Rand Paul, called out by plenty of people as the dangerous process that it is. Guess what? It didn't even slow down. And research involving potentially pandemic and other high consequence pathogens. All of it, guys. This is this is the expedited stat- direction of all of this stuff on, on the coattails of the large direction-changing Great Reset push. Research involving potential pandemics, potentially pandemic and other high-consequence pathogens. And to enhance sound risk management of biotechnology, biomanufacturing, and related R&D globally. Explore how to align international classifications of biomanufactured products, whatever that means in this ridiculous Frankenstein definition, as appropriate to measure the value of those products to both the United States and global bioeconomies. Now, again, the terminology. So we've been talking about biomanufacturing the whole time. And we just showed you what these things are, what biological systems are, no matter how you spin this. Well, as again, the term biomanufacturing, the entire basis for the bioeconomy that this whole thing is about means the use of biological systems to develop products, tools, and processes at a commercial scale. How do you see that translating? How do you see your biological material translating into some sort of product, tool, or process at the commercial scale? This is what we need to be thinking about. Bioeconomy means that economy activity derived from the life sciences, particularly the areas of biotechnology and biomanufacturing, right? So the bioeconomy is in particular about the idea of using biological systems to produce these products. The term biological data, again, means the information, including associated descriptors derived from the structure of all of these biological system or systems. There's a reason they put it with that, because the point is one biological system is a pretty clear example of what we're talking about. They're taking the data from this, which becomes the structure, the function, the process, or the basis of all of this for the, for the biomanufacturing, and that becomes the basis for the bioeconomy. I don't know how you could miss this. And then we have the term biomass, which we already talked about. Now, my, what I, one thing I wanted to point out on this is there's two very glaring omissions in the definition part of this. One, biosecurity. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they go all over this. They go to everything. There's all sorts of stuff in here. They even define what historically black colleges mean. Of course, that's important, right? Why wouldn't you define biosecurity? Well, there's a big reason because all of this is about the biosecurity state. That's what this is. They're building the biosecurity state. It's already here. This is the implementation of the, the panopticon, I guess. All right? Biosecurity, nowhere in the definitions, despite the fact that they, they say biosecurity in this document. That's pretty obvious. And guess what else? Biological system. Now, why would they leave those things out, despite the fact that they refer to these things throughout this document? I believe it's because those are the keys to what this is. They don't want you knowing that you're basically farming you in many, in some ways throughout this process for the very products that they're pushing and use and research and experimentation, as well as the fact that it's building a security state from that information. Pretty simple to me, I think. 
Now, I wanted to include this as we finish the show today, before we finish off with the climate change points, to show you that this has already been here. The Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights, UNESCO, right? The United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, you know, the UN, of which the U.S. is a part, which they disregard and ignore every time they say, well, you know, anything they don't want to hear. This was October 2005. So what this was, the Universal Declaration for the World of Bioethics and Human Rights. So as they sit here and scream about bioethics and what they're doing, the every single thing they're doing now and during COVID was a violation of this one simple thing. And there's not, there's more than this. There's plenty of groups around the world that have made similar declarations like this, and they're all in the same vein. Now, there's ma- a couple main parts. One, under human dignity and human rights, it simply says, the interests and welfare of the individual, you, have priority over the sole interest of science or society. So there's their one argument. They really try to sell you. Oh, no, you have to do this for everybody else's interest. Nobody's safe until we're all vaccinated. That's a complete and immediate violation of what they've already agreed to were bioethics of all of this, right? And, and so, or science or society, grandma or the collective idea of science, either way. And that's, and so we're past that already. They don't care about any of that. They care, they argue it's a collectivist system and we have to do this for everyone's interest. That's the World Economic Forum, Great Reset Direction. But the consent part is the most important. As it says more than once, the consent in this process, where appropriate, so in a vaccination process program, be expressed and may be withdrawn by the person concerned at any time and for any reason without disadvantage or prejudice. We, I read this right in the beginning of the COVID manipulation. They did not care about this. They were threatening. They were disparaging. They were firing. They were coercing from the government and from institutions and from colleges. All, and this, is, this doesn't just apply to governments. This is everywhere. And they list it again, just to be sure, right there. A second time. It's undeniably clear. Now, this was the one I wanted to include at the end. I just briefly pointed at. 2018, right before this all began. This came out in multiple ways. This is just one of them. Compulsory, moral, bioenhancement, right? So things like the injectable chips or the mRNA or any of the stuff we're talking about should be covert, they said. Some theorists argue that moral which they even call it moral bioenhancement is ridiculous, ought to be compulsory. I take this one step further, arguing that if it ought to be compulsory, which they can't print with a foregone conclusion, then its administration ought to be covert. So if we decide we're going to force this on you, then we're going to do it secretly. Why? This is to say that it's morally preferable for compulsory moral bioenhancement to be administered without their knowing. His argument is that if it's moral bioenhancement ought to be compulsory, then its administration is a matter of public health. And for this reason, should be governed by public health ethics, which I don't even know how you bastardize that into making that make sense, acting like this promotes things like liberty. Like this is the, this is the mind of the person that's already decided what's better for everybody because they know best. So therefore, if you're too stupid to see this is for the best interest of society, then we should just do it without you knowing. And what I said from the very beginning is we should be asking whether that already happened. Really, truly already has been done. Either way, we need to consider this in the context of what's being done now and whether that's all of this, whether the entire direction is about leaning in finally and and, and definitively to the direction that they've been trying to get you to be okay with for a very long time. And here is Biden already picking this up and going, what about cancer? Let's just drive this forward, even though we're standing on the the remnants, the, the ash pile of what they were trying to push on you that has completely fallen apart. Here's Biden selling you, trying to, clumsily on this example. No, we can change the trajectory. For example, 
to prevent cancers. Scientists are exploring whether mRNA vaccine technology that brought us safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines could be used to stop cancer cells when they first arise. To target the right treatments, we're learning more about how to use genetics. Well, what do you know about that? Right. What, what an interesting overlap that happens to be going, coming out right when they push this idea. Well, how about the idea that cancer has been stopped by many different things over the years that they don't want you to know about? Whether we're talking about the, the ground parsley, for crying out loud, it's been shown to literally by peer-reviewed science have a very strong effect. The chemicals in it, actually, you know, the chlorophyll, well, I don't even know what's in there. But the point is that cannabis, in the same light, cannabis across the board is shown to have dramatically strong effects on all sorts of cancers, serious and otherwise. Or what about like SEAC T or I could go off for an hour about all the things historically that have been shown very clearly to have some very real effects at very least dramatically better than chemotherapy, which currently, or I should say last time I investigated it had at all, there's multiple different ways and directions and types of cancers and pills versus radiation. Point is all said and done about a 3% success rate. That is not a joke easy to look up. And the bottom line is that doctors get an incentive for using it. It's one of the only classifications of drugs where doctors get a direct cut of the profit when they use them. Chemotherapy. It's not hard to look up. Do you think that's an incentive? We saw it with COVID-19. It's the same damn thing. My point is these things don't work and they just, they push that and we and look the things we associate with cancer, like the, the balding head or the you know, hair falling out, the sickly nature that is, by and large, the chemotherapy. And many people die from chemotherapy. And most people, if live long enough after chemotherapy, have, re- have it come back. They usually stop looking at it about four months, and they call it, that, they call it uh, whatever word they use when it's done. And most people get it six months later. This is all in research you can look up. Either way, or how about just the idea of, you know, fight breast cancer, awareness. All that money goes to what? Making pins and talking about something that everyone is well aware is there. Mo- I in the single percentile digits of the money goes to actually finding solutions. You know why? Because there's no money in solving these problems. There is an endless pit of money in treating them. But let's just make mRNA injections that clearly worked a moment ago, right? Safe and effective COVID vaccines. Don't we all know that? This is what they're doing. And this, they roll out the guy who can barely tie his shoes to scream at you about why you're doing the wrong thing. And the climate change direction, which was seeded throughout the entire document we just went over, is also part of this manipulation that I'll, I'll briefly. Oh, wait. Oh, you know what? I completely forgot that I pulled that out. I, I plan on I have like I ended up adding way too many tabs to it. That was why. So I'm going to come back to the climate. You know, I've already discussed that in plenty. So we're going to finish off then again. Sorry if I got your hopes up for somebody to get into that. But I've gone over it many times. The idea that this is not new. Right here's Biden pushing the mRNA technologies for cancer. Also, don't forget they've already tried to make this for cancer many times. So it, they didn't learn anything new here, guys. They failed again. They're just pretending this was success, and the data is being showing all of that. People just are plugging their eyes and stomping their feet as their children die and calling it something else, which I can't even understand how it's happening. Well, here is a World Economic Forum presentation. Thank you, Anglo-Saxon Abroad, for posting this from 2015 explaining how to change the human genome using mRNA. Still the media mocks those who pointed out, he says. Well, let's take a listen to that. Isn't that an interesting overlap that they would call fake news today? 
I guess I did miss that one. Oh, wait. There it is. I do have it. This protein RNA complex and introduce it into cells or tissues to correct mutations at sites where we know there's a deleterious change in the genetic code. So I wanted to show you an example of how this can be utilized. This um, protein complex can actually be injected directly into fertilized eggs of a mouse. And in the experiment, you'll see we're targeting a gene that is responsible for the black coat color in mice. And so normally, these mice have beautiful, glossy black coats. And once we make this targeted change, we then implant these edited eggs back into a, a female mouse. And when she gives birth to pups, you'll see that the pups are now mostly white. And the remarkable thing about this experiment is that the, when these mouse mice grow up, you can test them and show that every cell in the body has this single genetic change that gives rise to the white coat color, but otherwise they're absolutely normal. So they are normal mice, no mutations elsewhere in the genome. This is a type of experiment that used to take a, at least a year to create a, a mouse like this, and now it can be done in a few weeks um, and by people that don't have to have special expertise. Now, the real question here, guys, is, again, whether or not this is already happening. Now, it shouldn't be outside the conversation. We should be allowed to ask these questions, especially as we can see they clearly want this direction to go forward. We can clearly see that the whole genomics and biotechnology, bioengineering, that's everything that's happening right now, the entire focus. And as we can see, this is from 2015, using RNA, using mRNA, using mod RNA, using all sorts of different things, or even the idea, I mean, there's a thousand directions to take this. The point is, it's not it's a plausible thought, question rather, to ask whether or not this is what's being used already. And these things are not some hypothetical thing about it ultimately, or rather just about delivering spike instructions. It is about altering the entire human species for a direction that they're trying to achieve. Or you can ask, now here's first point, that as a broad government-focused agenda that's being covered up, or you have one entity. I mean, again, I'm doing this just for people out there that were, are so quick to go, that would never happen. Why would the government do that? Who knows? Who knows? It, it's happened before, so you shouldn't be so quick to just find reasons to ignore it. But for those people thinking like that, is it not possible that one bad entity, the way they love to frame these things, one bad apple got disgruntled and did this? You have to admit that's possible, right? Maybe Fauci, maybe somebody else. Maybe they just got mad and they put and they said, let's test this out on people. You don't have to find a reason for that. People can find their own reasons to do something wrong, to break the law, to become a criminal. All I'm saying, I don't care if it's 1%, it's possible, right? That somebody in these situations have altered something or done something or initiated some kind of mass experiment. But the fact that we aren't even allowed to ask that question shows you the control that we're in. Even though that's happened before, or even though they're the ones painting bad guy foreign adversaries of doing the exact same thing. What if they did it? What if Iran did something to our vaccine? I'm just saying, I don't believe any of that. But is it not possible? But yet we're not even allowed to ask whether this right here is already happening in our bodies, whether self-spreading vaccines have already been used, whether smart dust has already been deployed. I mean, these are valid, scientifically proven, very viable, feasible, tenable ideas that could have already been used. That's it. That's all I'm saying. And yet we can't even ask. So this is a uh, technology has over the, it's been very exciting over the last two and a half years to see this technology taking off 
These are publications in the scientific literature. It's been sort of exponential growth of publications, people using this technology for all sorts of applications. And so uh, some of these include making changes, in, uh, targeted genetic changes in plants, in uh, fungi, in uh, animals that are important agriculturally. So why didn't you hear about this until COVID-19? That's a very big question. This was making waves everywhere. Now, yes, it was talked about in certain circles. But if this was, as they keep telling us now, even then being talked about as the future of everything, why was it not talked about? Why wasn't there discussions like you see in, in every corporate media outlet about the next thing when they want you to see it? Well, obviously, because they did not want you to see it, in my opinion. And you should ask why that is. Why would they not want you finding out what this is until it was in your face and being put in your arm? In, in animals that are important to us as pets, um, and also for in thinking about human health, also uh, to do things like make changes in stem cells, which are cells that can give rise to new organs. Uh, also to make changes in animals that are important as uh, models of human disease, such as mice and monkeys. And we think within the not too distant future, it will be possible to actually use this technology to make changes in humans. Yep, exactly. And, you know, seven years later, I wonder if they are, right? I mean, it's an honest question, except we're not allowed to ask it. And just on a note to kind of show you the overlap of the whole, like, you know, whether, <coughs> excuse me, bio manipulation, bioengineering, or just the fourth industrial revolution implantable direction, which Klaus Schwab is a part of telling you is already happening, apparently is already going on in U.S. companies. As she points out, companies will be microchipping their employees in the United States, according to Good Morning America. I'll play the clip. They'll be calling it a chips and salsa party. And this is the first company yet they say more could follow. I mean, this is exactly what was called fake and ridiculous, as always, right up until it's being literally put in your hand. It's a <laughs> big move at an office that could change the way a lot of Americans work. A tech company in Wisconsin is offering to implant implant tiny microchips into its employees. Not just no, but no. The chips, <laughs> the chips could allow people to unlock office doors, uh, make purchases. Rebecca, come on here. So many questions about this, Robin so and Michael. Good morning. We asked a lot of them. This is the first American company to ever try this. One week from today, many of the employees, including the CEO, will voluntarily have the microchips implanted into their bodies. And they're calling it, I'm not kidding here, a chips and salsa party. Oh! Now this, and I, I don't think this is even a new clip. My point was simply showing you that this is happening and that this is being done. And if you talk about it now, it's still fake news, even though this has been ongoing in Sweden and other places for a while. And the part that I always laugh about is the idea that these chips they show you are gigantic. I mean, seriously, look, you, it's, you could do the exact same thing with something that is the tenth the size of a piece of paper. And I've already shown you these kind of discussions. So why are we acting like that's the technology? Maybe I'll give you one answer to that. Maybe it's because that's the only level of technology these companies can afford. That would make sense to me. But we've seen the government play this game where they go, look at this breaking, cutting edge, gigantic microchip. And it's just, it's not true. I mean, they've had the level of smart dust type and whether you want to call it a microchip or not, nanotechnology for a decade or more. More. I mean, I think it was 2007 or before, I think. Any, or no, 2007, it was 2004. I forget the date. We, the point was we've seen the symposium of people talking about this. It's been around for a decade when they talked about it. 
This has been there. It's happening now. Now, why they wouldn't be incorporating this into their actions and why that's not being talked about, despite that being viable and used for decades, is very concerning. As I've always pointed out, when they're not talking about something, that's where the news is happening. That's what's going on right now. So especially when they go, you can't talk about that thing. Okay, now you can talk about it. Well, when they didn't want you to talk about it was when it was important. That's how this seems to work. Now, I see this as clear as ever. But it's important that I check myself on this stuff. I don't want to continue to think, you know, confirmation bias is dangerous. But I mean, is it as obvious to you as it is to me? I think it's very clear what's going on. Now, I'm not trying to be a pessimist and, and see everything the government does as, as the opposite of what they say they're going to do. I'm basing this off what they've done, which I don't know why anybody else wouldn't do that. The logical discussion about what they've already done historically and during this administration or the administration before, what we know they're capable of, the lies they've already spun, and why we would trust what this is now is a positive step. I just, I think this is alarming. And I think it's obvious this is about the first big step in the building of the infrastructure, the justification for the new digital direction, and literally creating you as the new, I, I, I guess, commodity. I mean, that's what we always have thought we were. Now they're just writing it down. <laughs> so please help me spread this information. And as always, please help out supporting the independent media, whether that's the last American vagabond or anybody else out there doing this work, because it's important. It's important that people like us out there that are continuing to fight against the censorship and fight against the financial rugs being pulled out from under them continue to do this. It's never been more important. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. People talk glibly about science. What is science? People coming out of a university with a master's degree or a PhD, you take them into the field and they, they literally don't believe anything unless there's a peer-reviewed paper. It's the only thing they accept. And you say to them, but let's observe, let's think, let's discuss. They don't do it. It's just, is it in a peer-reviewed paper or not? That's their view of science. I think it's pathetic. Gone into universities as bright young people, they come out of them brain dead, not even knowing what science means. They think it means peer-reviewed papers, etc. No, that's academia. And if a paper is peer-reviewed, it means everybody thought the same, therefore they approved it. An unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges, new scientific insights, they can never, ever be peer-reviewed. So we're blocking all new advances in science that are big advances. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, almost always they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity.